How's it going, everybody? And welcome back to another episode of your favorite Swimbait Podcast, Scales and Tales, episode 68 tonight. Um, also, during while while recording this, I had just looked uh, earlier today. Actually, just crossed over seven thousand pl- or seventy thousand plays. So that's uh, seven zero with a bunch of a bunch of zeros after that and a comma. So that's super sick. Uh, I know I've talked about it a lot. It's it's crazy how much this has grown. Um, when you guys are hearing this, the magazine will be super close. Well, hold on, let me look at the calendar real quick because actually. Uh, okay, no. So the magazine will be a week after this show airs, which. Either way, super excited about that, but we'll get into that later. So I am joined by yet another guy from, uh, is Pennsylvania considered New England? Is that part of, like, the New England area? No. Well, yeah, okay, you're close enough. So we're, we're joined by a guy on the north northeast coast. Well, I guess uh, he's, he's just, he, he's on the east side of this country. So we've, uh, we've kind of been on the little bit of an east side angler's kick, and then, um, some of the guys I'm recording with tomorrow, the LFOD guys, they're they're over in that New England area. So, you know, like I said, we had the P&W kick, and now we're kind of on the East Coast side, which I'm not complaining. So we are joined tonight by Mr. Noah Rosetta, who is uh, a resident of Pennsylvania, and we'll get into that a little bit later. I'll let him introduce himself, and then we'll get the questions going tonight. All right. Hello. Uh, my name is Noah Rosetta. I'm, I live right below Philadelphia, probably about... 10, 15 miles, uh, go birds, you know, rough couple of days here, uh, heartbreaker on Sunday night against the chiefs. Um, but yeah, I've lived here my whole life. Uh, fish I'm right. Actually I'm right above Delaware. So I fish Pennsylvania, Delaware, Jersey, Maryland, uh, New York, if I'm lucky, but, um, I'm right there. So I'm right above Delaware. Damn dude. That, that is so sick. And we'll, we'll get into like how, how far you travel and stuff after, you know, we get the basics out of the way. So how did you get involved and entangled in this crazy world of fishing, just to be the general term? How did you get into fishing in the outdoors? How did that start for you? Uh, my mom. Uh, so my, my mom is from a rural setting, uh, and her dad was a huge outdoorsman. And I have three brothers. And um, you know, naturally, my mom has four boys. And so she decided you know raise us the way she was raised. And we were little, put a fishing rod in our hands. Um, and it was pretty much trout fishing to start because that's what she had done growing up. And she had uh, hunted too. And um, fishing is really just what stuck. Um, so growing up, uh, at least near me, there's a handful of little ponds that would get stocked with trout. And of course, in Pennsylvania, trout fishing is huge. Um, so between those ponds and, of course, the local creeks that get stocked by the state, um, that's where my mom would take us fishing and kind of teach us, teach us the basics, even if it was just, you know, uh, night crawlers, mealworms and power bait and catching trout. But that's really what kicked it off for me. Um, oh, I didn't get into, yeah. So bass fishing wise, um, I mean, I was super into trout for a long time. I still am. Uh, I, I trout fish, I mean, at least a handful of times every spring, uh, just to, just to enjoy it and kind of keep me tied to my roots a little bit because there's nothing like trout fishing that's what i always say and my brothers love it and it's really just like a tradition um so i always have trout fishing and i love it and um it's just a good thing you know yeah right did you grow up in that area you live at currently or did you grow up in another state i'm here yeah i've always been here um from a town called chichester uh born and raised delaware county pennsylvania okay 
And so you, you when you kind of got into bass fishing, did anything change for you? Like, were you like, oh my gosh, like this is a lot more fun or what kind of, what kind of got you into that bass fishing mindset? Um, so along with fishing, um, throughout my whole life, uh, my mom uh, and as a family, my dad too, of course, my, my dad's from the city, so he didn't do much fishing in life, but, um, we go camping a ton. And so every summer, you know, even into the fall, we would go up to, uh, it's called mock chunk Lake and, uh, we've been camping there our whole lives. So for, you know, a long weekend, whether it be out of the tent or in the cabin, we would be fishing, you know swim in the lake all day and then in the evenings fish on the on the dock uh right there where the marina is and um even then it was still just like just like worms and stuff and just trying to catch bass at that point so besides you know the trout fishing that was the only bass fishing i would do i would just be on those camping trips oh okay so was that like did you like that little weekend every year however often you went is that when you guys did a lot of your fishing, then when you went back home, you guys would fish occasionally, or was it all pretty well-balanced throughout the year that you guys would go? So I guess when I was little, it would obviously it would be like whenever, you know, we would find the time as a family to go, whether uh, usually it would be trout fishing. And then um, there's that pond around, uh, around the corner of my house, and there's bass in there, and that's kind of like, that was my go-to spot for a very long time because it was just that close. Um you know, if my parents, if my dad wanted to drop me off or dropped a brother my or a friend and I off, uh, we were close to home. Literally, I, I used to walk there uh, in the mornings. And um, like that's just where I learned. And so I would bass fish there. But other than that, um, I would, like, of course, I would try to go whenever I could. But like those uh, camping trips, that was like the, the real highlight. Like that's what I look forward to. Like I would go to Walmart and buy a lure with that in mind and I would be excited. And that would kind of like that's where like it like the true passion started to like fish as much as I could in that time span and kind of like get it all in because of course a lake is much different than a pond and I always wanted to fish the lakes more so yeah so once you kind of got into it and started buying lures and stuff when did you I guess I guess necessarily you had said that you still trout fish and stuff so maybe not necessarily like focus on bass but when did that become like a major thing that you were in- intrigued with and that's what you wanted to do uh for bass fishing oh gosh um so my older brother had a handful of friends and they knew these couple other spots that supposedly had like these huge bass even though at that time huge was a relative term because anything over 15 inches was huge you know if we caught a you know two pounder we were we were stoked because that's yeah. all we knew at the time and we'd hear about these ponds and they would go and what they would do is they would, they would use live worms and you would catch a lot of sunfish and they would catch catfish and stuff. And eventually that would get old. And I was like, I don't want, you know, I want to catch bass. That was like my, my focus. I wanted to catch bass. So that's how I got into like, you know, artificial stuff. And um, I'll never forget the first, the first uh, Texas rig fish I ever caught was on a, uh, was at, at one of those particular ponds that my brother's friends had found. And um, it was a Zoom Super Swim Fluke, a uh, five-inch one in a, in a white pattern. It was just, just, you know, totally bone. But, you know, I still remember it. I just swimming it underneath the surface over some, uh, some twigs, and it came up and it got, and it got smoked. And it was, uh, it was great because, you know, I, I rigged it with an EWG hook that I had got at Walmart, and I had seen it on, like, TV or something, and I was like, oh, my God, like, that worked. Like, I can't believe it because beforehand, you know, using just uh, mealworms and night crawlers, you think to yourself, like, I can't believe this is going to catch a fish. And then you go out and you do it. And it was just such a cool thing. And then it was between that and yum dingers. 
uh, and then Senkos if I could afford them, but Yum Dingers were cheaper, so. Yeah, you had, uh, you had touched on seeing it on TV and stuff. Did you, like, once you had caught that Texas rig fish, did you kind of scour YouTube and, and watch, like, the Outdoor Channel and stuff, or was it still kind of limited on, on the information, like, you were you were receiving, I guess, as far as bass fishing was going when? Yeah, so, so at that point, I mean, I was, I was probably, like, like eight years old like I, oh, I was little I, I got my yeah I got my first bait caster when I was when I was in third grade so I, I guess that's eight years old then um so and I still was doing tons of trout too but at that point it was just um uh like the Bass Pro magazine like the really thick one that would come every yeah. year like the catalog um, yeah. I would like look at lures in there or um I would go to like Dick's and buy fishing lures or we, what we used to do we did it a few times we would do like a yearly trip to the big Cabela's that's like an hour from my house and I would go and I would spend all my birthday money just on a, it was mostly Rapalas. I really loved Rapalas or Rapala. I, I grew up saying Rapala, but it was a lot of Rapala original floaters, uh, X-Raps, uh, Shad Raps, um, BTs, all stuff like that. Like that to me, those, those were like the first hard base that worked for me too. So I just, I, I was like obsessed with a, like a shiny new original floater. And um, like, that was like the thing. That's just what worked for me, whether it was trout bass or, anything that swam they just seemed to, to crush that thing um so yeah tackle wise you know it was just soft baits um you know texas rig worms and little swimming flukes and um and then hard baits i was oh man those original floaters dude that was like money yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna put up a poll on, on how how people say it, if it's rapala rapala because like i had I have uh, a good amount of friends who fished in high school, and literally only one of them said Rapala. Like, I, I, I don't know. I always just said Rapala, but I'm like, oh, I, I can definitely see how it's the other way. And I think the way you say it is the right way, I want to say, but who fucking knows? I don't know. Most people it. say Rapala. <laughs> yeah, that's what I thought. But I, like, yeah. My friend was super compelling on how he told me. He's like, no, no, this is how you say it. This is how you say it. And he's a very smart individual. So I'm like, oh, he's, he's probably right. Like, we're just we're just a bunch of hicks saying it the wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh, so you uh, like you're saving up your birthday money and you're buying all this uh, this bass fishing conventional stuff. Were you like. So when I, I, I had kind of done the same thing when I was growing up, like uh, one Christmas sweet, it was like a, dude, it was like a four hour drive to the, the big Cabela's in, in the state of Michigan. Yeah. We got down there and I remember buying a, this was, I don't know, like the Cabela's we have in the town I live now, we don't, they used to have the bargain cave or whatever it was and they didn't have yeah, that, yeah, but yeah. they had, they had it at this other one. So when I went there, I bought a bargain cave, I think it was like the Abu Vendetta, the the rod, and then I brought a bought a black max suit, and I thought I was the hottest shit on the block. And like that was that was kind of like that point in time in swim baiting, like where you're buying a lot of stuff and you have no idea how to use it. And that's yep. like that's exactly what I did. So was that like I mean, by the sounds of it, like you had been catching fish and you were just getting stuff to to kind of learn and catch more fish, or did it kind of play out a little bit different than than how I'm interpreting it? Yeah, so for me, it was just, um, so my older brother, he, he had gotten a bait caster before me, and uh, it was, this, I got the same reel, it actually, I still have it, it's in my closet right now, it was, a, it was an Abra Garcia Silver Max, um, and the cool thing about that was, um, it had like a... Your favorite swim bait podcast is now proudly sponsored by Leviathan Rods. Leviathan Rods is a Texas-based fishing rod company that's handcrafted and uses high-end, made-in-the-USA rod blades. Every sale from Leviathan helps support foster youth and their families. With Leviathan Rods, you're not only going to feel a difference, but you're going to help make a difference too. 
friends of the show will also get 20% off their rod purchases by using code SCALES20 at checkout. So whether you're fishing a depth 250 or a square bill, make sure you're using the best rod choice out there, Leviathan Rods. I forget what the, like the, um, the specific word for it, but there was a way it, you would be able to like engage, disengage it just by pressing down on the, like, you know, like, you know, to, to engage the brakes without actually cranking the reel. So to cast it, it was very easy compared to like what I know today, where you stop the line with your thumb. Because at that point, you would just let go and it would spring back up. Obviously, that's not like, you know, <laughs> uh, with a big bait that would like you know, shred your gears or whatever. Yeah. But, you know, on the side of my house as a third grader, um, you know, the day after Christmas, because I got it for Christmas, um, I was casting this thing with no problem. You know, I can you know, get one or two backlash, but then it was... The rest was history, and I was like, man, this is fun. I can cast further. I can cast more accurately. The rod feels stronger because I was using, at that point, like um, like a five-foot-six light-action spinning ugly stick with 15-pound uh, spider wire braid, straight yeah. braid, because that's what Walmart had. Right. And, you know, like a $40 uh, Shakespeare reel. And I, so I just wanted to, like, have, get, like, nicer gear and just um, – I guess at the time, um, I, I, in my head, I would think like, oh, this would make me a better angler. And to, of course, to, a, to an extent, it will. Um, but the rest comes from, you know, learning your water and figuring out how to bass fish in general. And um, what I would do is I would just, you know, watch Roland Martin or Bill Dance and try to like see what they're using. And I'm like, they're using baitcasters. I want a baitcaster. So that was pretty much it. Kind of just, yeah. you know. Yeah, dude. It's, it's funny you say that because, um, I mean... I think I was probably like 11, maybe 12 when I got my baitcaster and got into it. And that was like the point in, point in time where like John B was still fishing the Midwest and he was like making videos in his college dorm or no, he well, probably wasn't even in college yet, but like he was fishing the creeks and, and he was like doing all the, you know, Shimano Scorpion unboxings and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they, yeah, like, so they, same thing. Yeah. I was, yeah. oh gosh, that was like probably like seventh or eighth grade then too, because I'm, I'm 21 now. And I, I remember when John B had 30,000 subscribers on YouTube. Yeah, so yeah, yeah, same thing when he was in college. Yeah. I, I know exactly what video you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Like uh, he, what was it? I want to say, yeah, it must've been the scorpion, right? Like, where he was yeah. like, in the little construction zone and they kicked him out. He was like reviewing it by like the front end loader. And they're like, Oh, you gotta go dude. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Oh yeah. But, uh, yeah, like, I remember watching them, and they were talking about, like, oh, you know, uh, Baycaster is super good for this technique, whereas a spinning rod is good for this. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I want I want to fish that technique, so I want a Baycaster. And that's, I mean, that's more or less how I started to buy different stuff, even though I didn't necessarily need it, and I definitely wasn't ready for it. I just, like, it's like, oh, that's what these guys are using. That's what I need to do. So that's that's pretty much how I got started, more or less. Yep. Yeah. So, like I said, um, besides like, you know, YouTube, but thinking back to that, I don't really remember what specific YouTube channels, like, I'm talking back when I, when I was like 10. So, like, yeah, yeah. Um, I don't even know if John B was around then, but, um, yeah, this, that's, 11, think, that's 11 years ago. Yeah. Probably like 14 or 15. I would, I would say it was probably more accurate. I don't know yeah. how it came from 10 or 11. Yeah. I was like, all right. Yeah. Cause I'm like, wait, you're not that young. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so yeah, it was just, um, I remember, Bill Dance, it was uh, Yum, Yum came out with Yum F2 Attractant, and uh, they had specific, they had a line of soft baits for that brand. It, I remember it was uh, Wooly Bug, Wooly Bully, uh, Yum Wooly something, 
like and then it was another one it was called like shake alicious i remember seeing that in cabela's and i'm like oh my god that's like the one from tv and i bought a bunch of those and then that's how i got into jigs because i had all these creature baits and i'm like what the hell am i supposed to do with this yeah and i was like oh you throw it on a jig and then once i got into jigs you know now that i had a bait caster that's when i really started getting like super into bass fishing because oh man there's nothing like fishing a jig that's like free bass you know in a, in a local pond um it was just oh man i would i would crush them um so that's when like i really got super into it and i'm like i want another bait caster for this and that and that's when i started to like fine tune so to say like my, like my approach to it and not so much just it being random yeah. and when i got more technical to it because that's when i discovered too that trout fishing is super easy because it's, it's just stock trout you know they, they dump them in off the truck and you can catch them on a fork you know 10 minutes later bass fishing it was like i need to make this fish eat or i need to decide what this fish wants to eat and how am i going to get it to eat so you know and all the stuff that goes along with that yeah dude i i think I, you know, it's funny that you brought up the sense because I remember around that same time seeing this was like when Bass Dynasty like first launched. Like this was like when Oliver was plugging them and uh, he was he was using on all his soft baits that like slime shit. I, I, it might I don't even know if it's still around, honestly. I but, think so. Yeah, it might be. It's um, yeah. They had like the trout scent and the garlic yeah. and the crawfish uh, Bass Dynasty. Uh, yeah. Oh, wow. They're still around and they have two hundred five thousand followers. Wow. They're yeah. still like crazy best dynasty is a meme page now i think <laughs> damn dude but yeah i remember like seeing this stuff on on instagram and i'm like oh my gosh i need it and i ordered it and like i never used it and it's funny that you said you got into to jigs and stuff because even now that's like like i'll 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 fish them but i have like no confidence back then it was like uh frogs uh spooks and dude, that was like really all I ever fished on my bait casters because like I knew that's what I would catch fish on, and I was I'd always buy a bunch of extra random BS stuff, but I would literally never fish it, so I would never catch fish on it. It was just it was very silly looking back on it, really. Yeah, some things never change. That's kind of what it was for me too. I would just like, oh, look at this lure, or I would like as a kid, you see like a fifteen dollar crankbait, or I remember when I remember when Live Target products came out, they're eleven dollars a piece. And I was at Dick's, and I saw the this. I was, you know, sitting there and the, standing there in the aisle, looking at all the lures. And um, this guy comes over, and he and he clears the whole, like the whole, um, like the rack. one section. Yeah, the, he clears the whole rack of frogs. It was like eight frogs. I was like, holy crap! That guy just spent eighty dollars on on eight frogs. And I'm like, man, that's that's crazy. And I'm like, my mom won't even buy me one because I didn't have money. And I'm like begging her to buy me one. And she's like, telling me that why would what that's pointless you know i grew up fishing a worm catch the same fish bass on eat frogs this and that and i'm like but mom and she she didn't get it she still doesn't get it but yeah. <laughs> i remember buying an a rig like i don't I, I couldn't even drive i remember going to the store with my mom i remember seeing this thing and i'm like it was the umbrella a rig it was only the three arm one and i was like oh my gosh this thing is so cool i remember buying it i don't think i ever fished the fucking thing <laughs> like I, I it's probably still at my parents house like up on my tackle wall somewhere it just probably <laughs> bent to shit rusted out never fished it at all i put some trailers on it with like some really rinky dink jig heads and i'm <laughs> I, probably a good thing i never tried to catch a fish on it in all honesty <laughs> yeah my brother had one of those too uh back in the day and he actually got it with trout fishing in mind he was like 
I'm going to put uh, three spinners on this and catch three trout in one cast. That never happened. Oh, shit. I think he tied it on his trout rod, and the thing was bent in half. And I'm like, all right, didn't work out. <laughs> oh, that shit's funny. So you get into bass fishing, like, decently serious. Like, you're starting to learn the basics and stuff. Was trout fishing something that you would go back to, or did you kind of – did trout fishing take take the back seat there for a while? Yeah, so um, so I'm trying to think. Um, I would I would just try to bass fish as much as possible because once once those newer ponds came into the rotation that like my brother's friends had found, that was like I'm like okay I got more spots now. But of course that like how am I going to go out and find spots? You know I can't drive. I can't just be like hey mom you want to drive around town for an hour and look for ponds with me? We don't have time for that. And I'll just get told no. Yeah. And um, so once like those like we figure out that there's more ponds, that's when I started focusing more on bass fishing. And trout is like here in the in Pennsylvania, at least it's you know more prevalent in the springtime because that's when our trout season is. So like uh, April first this year is opening day of trout, and I'll fish opening day of trout. I, I've done it my whole life. I've never missed an opening day of trout. Um, so it just my trout season basically would just get shorter and shorter because you know I would grow tired of it quicker and quicker. So I you know do my trout fishing for a month or so and then back to bass. Whereas now it's like I said, I only trout fish maybe a handful of times. I don't stop bass fishing so. Um So that's basically I, I just started bass fishing more and more and got away from the trout. Um, but I, you know, like I said, I, I never stop trout fishing. I uh, every single spring I'll trout fish no matter what. Yeah. So you so say we'll, we'll fast forward a little bit to when you can start to drive. Like what what kind of possibilities and what new realms of that open for you as far as like being able to go wherever you wanted relative to what i don't know if you guys have like a driving distance when you get your permit or whatever but like what did that do for your fishing so actually it just popped up like in my snapchat memories like a week ago or maybe maybe even sooner than that anyway it was like the other day um five years ago i got my car and like the memory popped up when i got my car and um a couple days later more memories are popping up um of the weather that year and it was extremely warm february just like kind of like how we're having now but even warmer because like today it was like 62 degrees out tomorrow it's gonna be like 65 we don't have ice or anything um but it was like extremely warm i remember it was like 70 something which was like crazy and got on google google images you know same thing like excuse me on google maps same thing we all do look for ponds so i only had my car for like a week got my brother and a couple of buddies and we go out looking for ponds Try not to get kicked out. Try just, you know, try to look for spots to fish. Because um, near me, at least, the closest lake is, like, that's public, at least, um, and not in New Jersey, so over a bridge involving tons of traffic. You know, the closest lake is 45 minutes after that, uh, an hour, an hour and a half. So I've, I've always fished ponds pretty much uh, up until, of course, I got my car. And um, at that point, it was just, try to find more ponds because that's all I knew, you know, 16 years old, I'm not going to be driving an hour, hour and a half to these lakes, especially since all I knew growing up besides, you know, camping, but that's as, a, um, as like a family on a family trip, I'm not just going to start randomly going to these lakes an hour away. So it's just try to find more bass just in my local area within a reasonable distance, you know, between school and work. Cause I've been working since I was 14. So, um, to, to you know to fund to just have money on the side at least yeah just you know just so i could have money to myself and not have to rely on my parents or whatever to buy me anything so it was just um 
money for gas and money for fish and stuff and money to just feed the habit. So. Heck yeah, dude. I've got to ask because like you're, you're around, well, you are my age. What was it like? This is completely off topic. What was it like learning how to drive relative to where I live? Like you're only 10 minutes away uh, from the big city. Like what was it like learning how to drive in a big populated area like that? Because dude, when I took my driver's test, that was the first time I had driven in of like a, a quote unquote city and the city had like 3000 people in it. That was like the first time I'd ever driven in a big area the whole year before I literally just drove to school and back and had passed like 20 houses. And that was it. And I was, yeah. So, scared. well, actually most of Pennsylvania is, is the way you describe like where you live, um, where I live, especially, you know, the, the Philadelphia area, um, as even if, as you get closer to the city, like where I'm at, it's suburbs, um but i can drive 15 minutes and it's already fields and wide open space um so at least where i live it, it's i wouldn't necessarily call it densely populated i could drive 10 minutes and people are living on top of each other and then 10 minutes further than that you're in philadelphia like the city limits yeah. um so yeah i've you know i've always been familiar with being around a populated area because it's just you know my county is um besides pittsburgh area a couple areas up in northeastern pennsylvania and then Philly in, in general, that's it pretty much. Other than that, it, it's called Pennsylvania for a reason. There ain't much going on. Right. Um, so, yeah, I, I learn quickly. I guess I'm just used to it, the hustle and bustle of uh, the area I'm, I'm in. And it's still relatively quiet because I didn't go to, like, a giant high school or anything. Only about 800 or so kids, whereas there's other, there's other high schools in my county where, you know, the graduating class was 1,200. That's more than my entire school. So that's, like, densely populated, yeah. You said like 800 uh, just in the high school, like freshman, senior? Yes. And whereas there's other schools in my county where it's like 4,000 kids. Dude, I don't know if I've ever touched on it. So my, my whole school, K through 12, had just, just under 400 kids. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> That's my, graduating, my graduating class was 24 kids counting me or oh 23 one of the two. So, like. Yeah, that's that's tiny. Yeah. yeah. I mean. Wow. It's. Uh, the I never actually lived in like a city or a town. It, it's it's called a village because it's not big enough to be uh, a, a town. It's 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 literally called a village. Like it's the village of Calva is what it is. Oh man, wow, yeah, that's that's really small. Yeah, dude. But like that was it was honestly probably super beneficial for me to grow up there because the fishing was super good and it, it kept me like coming back to it. And that's like. I was like, oh my gosh, this is so much fun. And then just for some reason I stuck with it. But anyway, I, I've talked about that before. But so you get your driver's license and stuff and you kind of, you start to find other spots that aren't too far out. At what point in time did did it kind of click like, oh, I could, I could venture out to here or maybe like using Google maps to, to look before you actually just start to like blindly, blindly drive around and stuff. So I would just try to step out of my comfort zone a little more each time. I mean, I didn't touch the highway for the first full year of, me driving honestly i was just once i started driving and you, you kind of see especially around here um right next to jersey and near the city people suck dude like if there's one thing i hate in this world it's other drivers and once i started driving i kind of saw what it's really like because you start to pay attention more of course you know as a passenger and as a kid in the back seat you don't not really pay attention to uh how other people are driving and you wouldn't even know because you don't know how to drive you understand. <laughs> yeah so like once i you know I start get familiar with driving and how people drive. I'm like, Jesus Christ, I can't drive on the highway. You're, you're kidding. You gotta be kidding me. Yeah. yeah. 
And um, so that, of course, you know, 95, I-95 is five minutes from my house. I can, I can walk to 95. And that's, of course, one of the most major highways in the whole country, let alone, you know, the planet, major highway. And I could take that to Canada all the way down to Key West, Florida. Yeah. Um, so 95, like down in the Delaware, Maryland, plenty of good fishing spots down there that I frequent to this day. Um, so until I started, until I uh, got on the highway before then, it was just stuff like in my county. I wasn't going too far. It was, and I, I didn't really care to trespass. There's most of the ponds around here are private. So I was limited in a sense because I don't feel like dealing with that. Looking over my shoulder, worrying about the cops coming. Yeah, yeah. I don't know what road it was. We took some road through Washington, Maryland, into Pennsylvania, coming home from the gathering. But I made sure we le- we got up Sunday morning to leave the gathering at like two o'clock, and I was like, we're getting through this fucking like section because I do not want to be stuck like inside Maryland like during. Yeah, that's off, that's the worst back. stretch. That's the worst stretch. We we drove to Florida like when I was like fifteen as a family. We got stuck outside of D.C. for two and a half hours. We went 16 miles in two and a half hours because of the traffic. Dude, horrible. Through that. Yeah. Like, we went through, and there was, like, I mean, a good amount of cars. Like, I, you probably saw, like, 50 cars driving through. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad we left. And then uh, Jake Langston and uh, Ethan McQuay are two guys who live up here who also had driven down, and they didn't get up till like, 6. And they went through there at like nine o'clock in the morning on Sunday and they were stuck there for so long. We got home at like five in the afternoon and I don't think they got home till like 10 or 11. And I was like, wow, you guys. Yep. It's yeah. Like, oh, dude, if you get stuck behind the wrong spot, it's oh, nothing you can do either. Cause you can't turn around. Dude, so, <laughs> You're committed. So yeah. Time. Yeah. So for me, it was just pond hop until I got comfortable with the highway. Yeah. And so I guess, really getting into what what we what, what the intro is all about but <laughs> uh when did you how long i guess how long ago did you get into swim baits how long has it been that you've been doing this so oh gosh i probably discovered what a swim bait was when i was like 13 14 years old i was in like seventh grade um I think I was on Instagram. I, I don't, I, I always forget the true, like the true beginning of like how I discovered it. Um, I, but I think I was on Instagram and like what the for you page was at the time. It was just like, I, you would click on the search bar and like all these, like, cause yeah, it was all fishing so stuff. Cause whatever, yeah, yeah, it was like discover page. Yeah. And it was all fishing stuff, of course, because that's all I care about. And there was this girl, forget her Instagram. Um, she was holding like an eight pounder or nine pounder and there was a HUD hanging out of its mouth. And I was like, what the hell? I was like, that bait is huge. I was like, Jesus. And I click on it. I'm looking at a profile and there was HUDs, uh, Batesmith mags and lunker punkers. And I'm like, what in the world? I'm like, this is crazy. And I'm like, well, it makes sense that she's catching these big fish. Look at the size of the lure she's using. Yeah. And from, and that, from there on out, it was just a downward spiral um and then introductory wise for me at least it was a couple savage gear little five it was the smallest version of their 3d paddle tails little five inch swimmer i got one in baby bass and i got one in uh juvenile trout and i was throwing it on a six foot six uh medium heavy ava garcia vendetta spinning rod with like 20 pound straight braid and I would, dude, I would smoke them on them, smoke them. 
It was great. And of course, like five inches isn't like big by any means, but you know, at the time I'm looking at it, I'm like, this is, this is big. Like, this is awesome. Like, it's not like what I'm seeing online, but like, to me, this is big. Like, it was really cool. Yeah, dude. So was this before you could drive? You said like, you said like, oh yeah, this was like, yeah, I was in like, I was, yeah, I remember because I was in middle school still. And, um, I'll never forget my first like quote unquote swim bait fish, like, I don't want to call it like swim bait fish because I wasn't using like an actual swim bait, but like my first like swim bait fish that was caught using like an applied philosophy that I had learned like on YouTube. Um, because I go on YouTube and I'm like, of course, I'm searching on Huddleston swim bait, da 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 da. And of 2014, of course, swim baits have been around for a long time at this point, but it's not, it's nothing like where it is today. You know, even on YouTube, it's still relatively. You know, you really got to know what to search for rather than, you know, if you go to Swim Universe, there's a million different things. But on YouTube, it's still like you search swim bait, you get six inch draw or you get, um, yeah, like you said, Kytex or, you know, just like generic stuff that's like widely available to like the masses. And I'm searching up swim baits and tactical bassing comes up. And that's like the real, the real reason um, I got into it because tactical bassing. And back then, um, that's what had come up when I'd searched them up and they had a ton and ton and ton of so many videos. And it was one of the first ones that I'd watched. Um, it's still up there because I had seen it recently. I didn't watch it, but it's, it's, it might, the timestamps like 11 years ago, 12 years ago. It's from like maybe 2010, 2009. It's old. And um, he's in his garage on his boat talking about which swim baits to use throughout the year, uh, like seasonal wise. And at this point it was like, december or november it was like late fall here so it's cold like we almost had ice at this point and he's in california and at the time i I don't know if i did or didn't know that but he was saying in the winter time throw a big top water like he's talking about lunker punker a big top water or uh he had a an old school like hard jsj trout and he may have had like an eight inch bbz and he was like throw top water um like on a warmer day throw top water like the bass they'll come up and eat it like they'll come up uh, shallow and eat a big lure because the water's the water's still cold but on a warmer day like a randomly warmer day it'll go up a few degrees and they'll come up and they'll eat a big topwater bait and i'm like okay so it was december and it was like two weeks before christmas and i'll never forget it because it was like one of those super super warm winter like stretches for some reason it was like 70 degrees after three days in a row and um <clears throat> we were actually on vacation we were up in the mountains and we had come home and I was staring at the weather the whole time because I was, I was trapped up there with no fishing gear, of course. And the whole time I was thinking, like, I want to go home. I want to go fishing. I want to go fishing. Because I was obsessed with this whole idea of swim baits. And we finally get home. And it was the tail end of this warm stretch, like a three-day span. And I didn't have any, like, big walking baits or anything like that. I didn't have any swim baits. So I kind of just used what I had at the time. And it was a, a Rapala. It was a, it was it's called a skitter walk. So it's basically like their their spook style walking bait. I don't know if they still make the Renat or if it has a new name or if it's a new version or whatever. But it was like a five inch body, and I don't know if it's if the color is clown, but it's the color where the head is red and the whole body's white. I know it's not yeah. clown, but it's yeah, not, it's like an old school color, ugly oh, it's like, like red, uh, it's like, like white sucker or something like that. I think yeah, you know yeah, it's like something. It's, it's super old school. And I had had it for like ever, like since I was like little and I never used it because I'm like, this thing's big. I think I got it for like Christmas or something. And I'm like, what the hell? Like, come on, Santa. Like, what, what, like, what is yeah. this? Yeah. Like, I'm not, I don't want to use this. Like, 
and I never, I never caught anything on. I never used it. Um, so I, I go fishing and I'm like, uh, all I have is ponds. It's one of the local ponds, the one that I would walk to. And I had my dad drop me off and, um, the sun was starting to go down and it was warm out. I'm in like a, I'm in like shorts and a hoodie, like in, in December. It's like a week for a week and a half for Christmas. <clears throat> and that's what I do. I, so I just went out there and I was throwing that top water, walking the dog and like 15, maybe 20 minutes in, I had a huge one swirl on it. And I was like, Oh my God. I was like, there's no way because I wasn't expecting to catch anything because I still had a general idea of bass fishing. Like I know it's super unlikely that I'm going to catch a bass on top water in December, but it's been warm. And based off of what this guy on YouTube says, it's going to work. So, and I got this big swirl. Now, like my heart's racing, my hands are shaking. I'm like, holy cow, like this is going to happen. And then like not five casts later, I bombed this thing across the pond. I twitched it twice and it just got smoked. And, um, <clears throat> I just grinded it in, flipped it up on the bank and it was like, it was like a four pounder. And I was like, oh my God, like, no way, no way. Like it, I was jumping up and down all by myself too. Um, I had never caught a bass in de December before, let alone on top water. So it, it was really awesome. That's kind of like what slingshotted me into like the whole swim bait thing. And even if it wasn't a swim bait, uh, in my head, it was like my version of what I had to be a lunker punker and it worked. And I was like, this is great. So from there on out, I was like really, really into swim baits. That's freaking sick. So do you remember your first, like, what, 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 what we call like your first <clears throat> bait purchase, whether that was like just a, like a gantrell or like a garage bait even? So yeah, it was those two Savage Gear paddle tails. Um, after that, oh God, <clears throat> I think that, so I got those paddle tails in the springtime. Um, it was the spring after I caught that topwater fish because that happened in the winter. So I think that spring, I don't know. I think I, I might have wrote it out with those two paddle tails. And then that, that following year on Christmas, I got a handful of like huds and, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to think, but soon after, you know, like maybe the year after that's when I started buying gantrails and S waivers and just like the normal stuff. Like that was around back then, at least like I wasn't tapping into like any hard gills or anything like that. Cause of course they were around, but you know, I would see 75 bucks for a lure. I'm like, my paycheck's only $200. So I don't know if I can, uh, if I could swing that. <laughs> right. So, so you get, uh, I mean, did you catch a lot of fish over that summer on those two paddle tails on the Savage Gear paddle tails? Oh yeah. So I, I knocked the eyes off both of them. I got them all torn up, you know, snag them both, bought another one. Um, and that was just all my medium, medium, uh, action, you know, my, like my jig rod or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Damn dude. And so you, you got these huds, like, did you get these, like open up the package, whatever. And you're like, Oh my gosh, these are Huddleston's. Like, these are what I saw that girl holding that seven pounder with like the, like, this is the best thing ever. Yeah. It was like surreal unless I'm like, damn, this is like, this is it. Like this, this is the real deal. And, um, I was like, man, these are soft. Like, and I think, I think the one I accidentally ripped and I was like, oh, great. Like this, I'm screwed. I ripped it. It's ruined. But then I, I got mended and I fixed it. But it was just cool, like to start out. So I think the first few, yeah, it was a couple HUDs, a couple S waivers, uh, a light trout S waiver because that's what Matt Ellen said to buy. So I bought it. <laughs> um, <laughs> he said, get light trout. I was like, okay. Um, yeah, that was pretty much it to start. And then I got a Gantrell and a Gantrell Jr. And I smoked them on those. I still have my one Gantrell. My Gantrell Jr. 
and knocks both the fins out of the side. Had it for a keychain at for a while. I don't even know where it's at now. I still have it somewhere. But dude, this, the uh, somebody hit me up the other day asking for a bait, like what bait they should start with. I said, just get a like, just get three, get a like a one sixty eight, a shine glide, and a gantrell. I'm like the gantrell will catch fish out of a puddle. I don't know what the hell that bait does, dude, but that thing just flat out catches fucking fish like so many fish it's absolutely ridiculous that was like my first yeah. real swim bait and like you said i knocked <laughs> the fins off it i left it inside uh of a tackle box inside of my hot truck and it got like two super big uh like bubble like tumors on the side from where the plastic bubbled up and it still caught me fish it was just like i caught so many damn fish on that thing it was ridiculous yeah and it, like you said it just worked and it was the cool thing because it had the two line ties and yeah. my obsession was the line tie on the chin, and I would swim it along the surface. So they would come up and eat it. And I would literally just dead stick it in front of them, and I would watch, like, small fish come up and just smack it. Damn, dude. So, <laughs> so that's, fish, like, it was, like, the cool part the about it. Yeah, yeah. I would fish the top uh, nose tie, like, on the nose, and then I would also run a drop shot weight on the chin so I could sink it down and, like, just really drag it. And, oh, my gosh, like. It's absolutely insane how many fucking fish I caught on it. But the first one I had that I traded for, like, that was the first trade I ever did and stuff. I caught a lot of fish on it. And then one day, this guy was talking to me, and he's like, oh, that's a really big bait. Like, I bet you can cast it super far. I'm like, yeah. And I, I cast it out, dude. I heard my line snap, and that thing just kept going and going. And then I was like, well, there's oh. no way I'm getting that thing back because it's at the bottom of the lake right now. <laughs> so unfortunate. And then, like, I bought... Uh, I bought an order off a of tackle warehouse. I bought the normal size one, and then I bought the junior. And like, I, I got rid of my junior because it literally just, it like, this is going to sound like super arrogant. Like, it just catches like too many fish. Like, it was, <laughs> it was catching fish when it was hitting the water, and it wasn't giving a chance for like what I thought the bigger fish would be to eat that bait. Like, it was so fucking stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's that's where I found success more so when it was uh, still fresh in there with the junior because, like you said, it was like, a magnet and it was so light you know it was you could throw it on anything you could throw it on a spinning rod yeah exactly and you get the huds and stuff for christmas uh you, you fix it you put it you mend it were they six inches or like were they 68s do you remember yeah so i got a six inch uh not a 68 it was a six inch jig hook with it was it was like a shiner pattern it was like a brownish pattern and then i got a i had a weedless 68 and I used them a handful of times, and then the rest was history. I never freaking touched them again. <laughs> I couldn't get I couldn't know. I I would get bites, but I couldn't I couldn't catch any fish. And that's when I totally put down soft baits forever because I was using the gantrails and the S sweepers, and I was getting instant results. Whereas soft baits, I was like, this is, I can't do this. No, <laughs> I just I don't. It, and it definitely wasn't a patience thing. It was just I had other things that were working. And I, you know, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. So that's why I, you know. Do you think like? Well, I guess it was a jig rod, so it probably didn't that didn't matter much. Like you were probably definitely getting a good hook in them and stuff. It was just just something weird that was going on. Like, ah, dude, I don't even know. I I can't even remember really my first. Oh yeah, I like my first couple fish I had hooked on swim baits were with huds, and they all shook off. And they were all super big fucking fish. Like, they were pushed up under docks before, like, pre-spawn. And th- th- I think two of them, the first two I'd ever hooked were the two biggest fish I'd ever hooked before. Like, oh. was, the kid was trying to grab him, and he was scared. And I was like, dude, it's, like, literally just a jig hook. Like, you're not going to hook yourself. And 
I was fishing a 6.9 KVD quantum rod. So, like, it was a jerkbait rod. And that was yeah. probably, like, the worst mistake ever. And I'm like, oh, man. Too bad, Too bad like, I could not replicate that with what I know now because it would probably be a different story. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and even when I was, like, like quote-unquote in swim baits, I was just dabbling with it here and there because it was expensive. And I was still super obsessed with conventional. Like, I was a straight snob for conventional you know i had like six or seven combos and they weren't like top of the line gear it was like hundred dollar rod eight dollar reel you know like two hundred dollars for the whole setup and then just a a, a boatload of just not a boatload because i was on i was on foot but you know a bunch of tackle bags and tackle boxes just filled with terminal tackle um square bills lipless cranks just the, the whole spectrum of conventional stuff and then that's when i'd mix in the swim baits and i would just you know, spend some time with it here and there when I was fishing, but I didn't really dedicate tons and tons of time to swim baits. And so I started to get a little older, maybe like halfway through high school, you know, like maybe when I got my car a little more and I was finding bigger fish because um, the reason I got into swim baits is just I wanted to catch bigger bass. And as, as fishing ponds, you know, I, I, I fish these ponds all the time and I'm not catching these giant fish that I may or may not know are in there or the fact that they might not even been there be in there at all i just wanted to maximize my odds and catching the biggest fish that was available to me because as you know growing up in pennsylvania um you know my brother had caught a five pounder when we were kids at um one of the lakes we 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 would go to at, at the lake house off of a little john boat and that bass actually ate a perch he was reeling in and this was before swim baits too. And it, unfortunately, the gears didn't start turning. Then, like, holy cow, that that bass just ate a ten inch perch, and it yeah. was only five pounds. But you know, five pounds was huge. That was the biggest bass I had ever seen. So I wanted to catch bass like that. And you know, up, even up until high school, throughout middle school, I mean, I caught a handful of four pounders. I lost some five pounders, but I wasn't catching anything huge. You know, if I went out and I caught a handful of, you know, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen inch bass, I had a ball, whether it was on a jig or whatever. But eventually, I'm like, I want to catch these five pounders. And um, of course, I knew that regular lures could catch the big ones. But I was done with that. I was like, I just want to catch something huge. Eventually, you know, finally. So, right. yeah. How did how did you? I guess how did you get into into it enough to like find the forms and stuff? How did that uh, kind of play itself out with you? Um. Oh gosh. How did I just? I mean, universe. I'm not even sure if I remember how. I got on um, because I had a Facebook <clears throat> and it would just sit and collect dust. You know, I just had it like, I don't remember I had a Facebook. I just got one because when you're, when you're a teenager and like middle school, you know, you're 13 years old, everyone has Facebook. So you get a Facebook. So it sat vacant forever. And I don't know, I guess eventually I just was on there and maybe it came up with my recommended or something like that. Um, because besides what I'd, was seeing on tackle warehouse like new baits being released and what tactical bass was posting and what um anybody i followed on instagram would post swim bait wise um that was it for me you know all the other information like anything form wise didn't exist to me so um i don't know i've been in the page since 2017 um but i, I wish i knew how i got involved with the universe and how i discovered it i really don't know yeah I guess uh, when you got into it pretty pretty seriously, or when you just kind of got into it in general, were they like were you able to buy the Gantrells and stuff locally? Probably the Savage Gear, but were you able to buy like the hard the 
well, quote unquote, like the bigger hard baits, or did you have to order them offline and stuff? Oh, all tackle warehouse. Yeah, there's, yeah. there's. I mean, I mean, now I know that there's more of a a presence here in Pennsylvania, of course. But at the time, you know, <clears throat> 15, 14, 13 years old, um, this was brand new, totally brand new. Yeah. And there's nowhere around here to do it, at least that <laughs> I know at the time. I don't think there was then, too, at least right. where I live. And did you ever see anybody else doing it around your area, or was it, like, completely foreign to you in, in the waters that you'd fished? Totally foreign. Um, my friends, I mean, I don't even... I had a couple, I mean, my, my fishing buddies were my brothers. So I, and in, in my school, like in my graduating class, there's not a single other guy who bass fishes. I had a buddy who trout fishes, but he doesn't have, he didn't even have the patience for bass fishing. So in high school, at least for me, um, I, I had a couple of friends growing up in like middle school and stuff that we would go to like the, the pond with. But as we got older, you know, they kind of, you know, drift apart. They put the rods down. I kept them in my hands. Uh, so the whole swim bait thing, that was all me, me just discovering it on my own. So when I would buy a new bait, a new bait would come out, like what what I got in the mail and open up, like that was it. There wasn't anybody who was telling me about it. Um, it was all just me figuring it out on my own. Damn, dude. Yeah, it's, it's kind of more or less the same thing. Like nobody really bass fished in, in my group of friends. Everybody is in like, the steelhead and salmon and stuff. So it's kind of a trial by fire on, on what what was going to catch fish more or less it seemed like um yeah and uh like trout is king here so right like in my county field and stream you know they they have a big trout tournament for the kids you know they they raise money for trout fishing trout 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 it's all trout yeah and that's what i was going to ask did <laughs> did you ever see anything like on tactical bassin or anything where they talk about how like how good of a food source trout are for bass? Like, had that ever crossed your mind, or had you ever heard that anywhere, like, until you got super into it? No, uh, not until I had um, <clears throat> figured out what swim baits were and did I know that bass were eating trout. And I, I thought it was such a crazy concept. Um, but it made sense because uh, I would think back to that, that first, like, quote-unquote, big bass uh, we caught in our family it was the, the that bass that ate that perch that my brother was really in and it was funny too because i'll never forget this until the day i die um we were trying to keep a handful of perch to like cook over the fire because like you're you're a bunch of young young boys you want to do like a cast to catch the cook you know what i mean like cook some fish over the fire because you're out in the mountains that's what you do and um he's reeling in this perch and it was you know it was a good 10 plus it was a 10 inch perch at least and we're like oh yes finally a nice size perch and this thing gets to the boat, maybe three feet out, like ready. He's ready to pull it in, and you just see this giant figure behind it. And we're like, like it was like time froze. And in my head, it was like that's a really big pickerel. And then you just see this giant bucket mouth open, and then this perch just gets sucked into its mouth like a tarpon. And we were just like, oh my god! And then you know this thing was peeling drag, and uh, miraculously it got hooked because it ate the entire thing. And what he was using was it was a jointed shad wrap. In like a bleeding shad color, because we would light them up on that. And we're we're not bass fishing; we're just fishing. You know, if you catch yeah, a perch, yeah. if you catch a pickerel, if you catch a, a huge sunny, if you catch a bass, it's all it's all just part of it. But that bass ate that pickerel. I mean, excuse me, that bass ate that perch. So I had known that they could eat something big like that. But um, the trout thing for me, like my experience with with trout when I was trout fishing, there wasn't even bass around because it was in little creeks. 
and we might have like some smallmouth, but uh, near me at least, um, nothing crazy. Um, but largemouth in the creeks where I catch trout, non-existent. That wasn't a thing. So they would never have crossed my mind that bass would be eating trout anywhere. Um, I guess because I hadn't realized that there was places in the country where trout and bass were together in the same lakes and they were getting smoked. Yeah. And when you, when you got like seriously into it, when you got onto Facebook and, and joined the forum and maybe not necessarily even was active on it, like, were you like, holy crap, like this is way bigger. Like this is a whole different realm than, than what I had seen beforehand. Yeah, it was uh, overwhelming in a sense where like you see these people so casually dropping $150 on a 316 baby wake or like a freestyle shad. Um, and I would just be like, man, these baits are crazy. Like, how did these guys get these baits? Because they went on stock warehouse. And at that point, like, I don't know where else I would buy these things or how I would afford that or how one guy would have 20 of these. Or like, I would see a depth 250 and I would be like, Jesus, like, they're never in stock on tackle warehouse. How do you get one of these? Um, so it would just blow my mind. Like, these guys would have so many. And the, the, the level of information and the knowledge these guys would have on this type of fishing, it would just be mind blowing. And that it was like, it had such drawing power in the sense where like, it's like, it's really like a cult. Like I, like for lack of a better word, it's like this, this stuff, it has a cult following. And, um, throughout my life, I've always had like one obsession or the other. And, um, fishing has always been like the constant. And for me to like have something to like really hone in on, um, it was trout fishing for a really long time. There wasn't anything in particular in bass fishing until swim baits. So for me, it was like, of course, I always wanted to have all the tackle possible because I was obsessed with collecting tackle. But yeah. then swim baits came about, and I was like, "Wow, this is this is pretty cool." And the fact that um, for me, um, it was the shortcut to trying to catch the biggest bass possible because um, I didn't I hadn't caught any five pounders, so it was just you know threes and fours if I was lucky because my ponds were for they they suck like seriously I haven't touched those ponds in years because they really are terrible. <laughs> overfished uh dirty disgusting water you know lying in the water rusty hooks yeah um empty wire containers litter like it's really disgusting um but in a sense that it still benefited me because i figured out how to catch bass there um and it was it was damn hard but it, i had no other choice it was either catch bass there or catch bass nowhere so i i just um um played the hand i was dealt and i did what i could so that's yeah. how I got involved with swim baits, so. Do you remember the first bait you had bought off uh, off of a forum, I guess, o- online, I guess, from a person? Off a forum? Uh, so the first, like, garage bait that I had bought, it was a Doc Rat one-piece gill. I actually still have it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, I got that in 10th grade. It was $45, and I was stressing big time because I was like, wow, I just spent $45 on a single fishing lure. Um, and I instantly have regretted buying it but it was yeah. too late. And I was like, well, I'm going to get this thing and I'm going to fish it and I'm going to catch a bass on it. And I did. I, I caught tons of fish in that thing. I, I haven't used it in a while, but um, I plan on using it this year to kind of bring it out, back out of its unofficial retirement, get it back in the lineup. But anyway, um, on Facebook in Universe, I think it was a Matt Lures um, Matt Rat. He used to make a rat. He doesn't make them anymore. Um, that really realistic looking rat. And that was due to uh, keeping it real fishing on YouTube. He has a really awesome channel. He's out of North Jersey. And um, he had uploaded a video on that rat prior to me purchasing it. And I was like, 
I've always I've wanted one of these since he posted that video, and they were never in stock on the Matlers website. And one popped up for like fifty bucks, and I bought it. And I used it a handful of times, and my brother ended up breaking it. Um, but yeah, that I think that was the first one that I'd bought, like you know, secondhand off of Facebook. Um, yeah, I think so. Damn, dude. Yeah, how much did you say you paid for that one? Like fifty bucks, forty or fifty bucks. It was used. It, it had some rash to it. You know, the lip was like cracked. But I was like, whatever, I'll take it. it swims right, sure. Right. And did you catch like those two rat baits? Did you catch a lot of fish on those baits before you really bought anything else? Like, did you fish that for a whole season, or was it still kind of like an on and off thing as far as fishing swim baits and, and fishing conventional when you went out? So at that point, I would say it was like fifty fifty. Um. I had a dedicated rod, and I had a Daiwa Alexa 300, like the OG. I still have that reel. Um, it's all tuned up. It's got a Hogtech um, handle on it. Um, so that was like my first like swimbait rod, uh, swimbait reel. And I had a Lama Glass X11. It's a salmon rod. That was uh, what I got for Christmas when I asked Santa for a swimbait rod. Um, along, and then I bought the reel myself. So I had a combo for throwing like um and this thing was a <laughs> i was mostly throwing hard baits yeah. um first of all like it's it, it's a salmon rod so what is it for, like what do they call it bottom mounting yeah, yeah so you know how like i don't know i guess that's what a salmon rod is supposed to feel like um it's really cumbersome for a swimming rod but i got by with it of course you know i shook off a bunch of fish because I, what I really needed was something way more parabolic because I was throwing the crap out of S waivers. Um, so I threw the rat on that rod and I was like, eh, let me go back to my S waiver because I, I was really, just, that was like my bread and butter, Gansfeld Jr. S waiver. Um, I had a triple trout too that like, my girlfriend at the time got me. And that was like my most expensive bait because it was like 70 bucks. But I was like, I didn't buy it. So is it really my most, most expensive bait? Yeah. <laughs> but then I was afraid to use it and then lose it because it was a gift and I would be like hey sorry I lost that expensive lure that you got me for Christmas right so what, I was um, what size what's that? That, or what size S waiver and what size uh, triple trout were you fishing um, the 168 and uh, I had a whole bunch a whole bunch of colors I had uh, I think it's called abalone shad light trout uh, bluegill um I had a perch one. I had a baby bass one. I, I had like every color at one point. Damn, uh, actually, I'm down to like zero. I don't even know if I have any 168s left. I have a 200, but I don't have any 168s left. I gave them all away or I sold them or I lost them. Yeah, <laughs> um, right. And then the triple trout, I think it was an eight inch one. And it was in like a blue shad color because I was super big on like bone at the time because it was like white was just a great all around color. If I was throwing a square bill, it was white. If I was throwing a swimming fluke, it was white. Kitek, white. I told her, I was like, you're going to get me one of these. Get me one in like a generic color. And that bone slash blue shad was generic enough for me. Even if I'm fishing in ponds that I've never had shad before, you know, it's fishy. It's a fish profile. It's a fishy color. It's going to work. And, you know, I caught fish here and there, small ones, because my spots really don't have, like my little ponds that I grew up fishing, they did not have many big bass, if any at all. So it was just, you know, throwing swim baits at two pounders until I kind of, you know, discovered better spots, really. Yeah. Damn, dude. I, I want to get a triple trout pretty bad. I want to get, like, what is, like, the six-inch dubby? Is that what it is, I think? That's what they're called? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, like, they're thicker. Yeah, and, I want to um, get they, one they, of those. They stomp really hard. Yeah, I want to get one of those for the river, because I think that'd be such a blast for smallmouth. 
Yeah, and like outside of like that triple trout, like I never, I've never really thrown swimmers. I have a nine inch bullshad. Um, oh gosh, swimmer wise, I think that's seriously all I have. I've never, I never really threw the bullshads. Um, because I liked glides. Um, I didn't really get into wake baits until I was out of high school. Um, but yeah, that Gantrell and S Way were like, I was set, dude. I didn't really need anything else after that because. I had like I, you know I would frogfish I would throw my jigs I would throw my square bills, um, swim baits was just another part of it. Yeah, and then when you got out of high school, is that like when when you got super serious into swim baits, and that's like when you would go out with only your swim bait rods and stuff? Yeah, pretty much. Um, so I ran that Lexa <clears throat> Lamb Glass combo, like I guess for tenth, eleventh, and my senior year of high school. Um, my junior year, I was on a major kick trout fishing, like that whole spring. I really, oh my God, I trout fished like a, a maniac, but that's a different story. <laughs> but, um, I got by with what I had. Um, and then after I graduated, I got a Dobbins Fury 806 and I threw that Lexa on there and then I ran that for a whole year. And then I finally got like, of course, a, a feel for like what a swimming rod should feel like, because that's, you know, for the money, it's probably the best you're going to get. For yeah. what some rods should feel like for hard baits at least, um, and it was way lighter, it was way better balanced. The guys were better, you know. It was made for swim baits rather than a freaking salmon rod. Right. Um, so when I went full swim bait, um, uh, yeah, I guess that was a year after I graduated high school when I really was like most swim baits. That's when I started really buying a lot of baits off of the page, trying to get more um, garage built stuff because. I just like the the craft of it and just the aspect of having like something that's handmade and just, just a nicer bait. Because I, I was starting to spoil myself because I'm like die hard fishing and my brothers they all they start, they all still fish but not like me. Like I live for this and <clears throat> they they come with me here and there. They do the trout fishing and I'm if I'm lucky enough they'll come bass fishing. Um so the um where are they at? Excuse me. You're good, man. I forgot what I was going to say. Uh, um, we were talking yeah. about the rod. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, yeah. So I was, like, super, super into fishing in general. So I just started, like, um, getting more and more into swim baits once I started to get a little bit nicer gear and I got a feel for uh, custom-made baits out of high school. So. Yeah, dude. When when you start to get into, the like, the garage stuff, I feel like that's when you're like, whoa, like, this this is, like – a lot bigger than I thought it was. Like you can buy gantrels and stuff all day and like it's super cool. But and then like you drop, you know, $150 on on whatever. Like one of my one of my first ones was like I paid probably like 140 bucks for a phony and I'm like, oh my gosh, like a guy like handmade this. Like no wonder it's so expensive. Then I caught a fish on it. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like this this is freaking crazy. Like this is so badass. Yeah, uh, I think for me it was a uh, toxic mink. Um, I still have it too. I love that bait. Um, great bait. I love toxics. Oh, awesome baits. And um, when when he first blew up, I mean, of course Caesar's like a legend, and he's his baits have been around for a long time. You know, yeah. at least on a, on a local level, and he's been making baits forever. Um, but when he started, like when he got big, you know, he was like, um, like when I, throughout high school, that like was like the first like quote unquote hype bait. Like I couldn't get my hands on for the life of me. Um, like wake and cranks and weight hogs and minks, they would sell out second when you would get them on when you would drop them. So I always made a point like 
if I ever get the chance, like that's going to be like my first like quote unquote big purchase. So yeah, Toxic Mink was probably like my first like over hundred dollar plus purchase, um, swim bait wise. Besides like you know a shopping cart attack warehouse that had ten waivers in it for a hundred dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I what was my first? Um, so I wrote a paper for this kid, Davis uh, McCanny. I don't know if you remember him. He was a kid from California, a little bit younger than us. But I wrote like we had a snow day one day, and I wrote him an essay on To Kill a Mockingbird. And I pretty much just Google Google copy and pasted this other article. And he's like, "Oh, dude, if you write me this this essay, like I'll send you some baits." I'm like, "Cool." So I wrote him this essay. He got like a got like a pretty damn good grade on it, and he sent me. <laughs> A seven inch or no, it yeah, seven inch slammer that looked like it went through like dude, I kid you not, this bait was ninety percent like epoxy, like holding this thing together. <laughs> call it the wood chip slammer. He sent me that and some like multi joint shad, like an absolute brick of a bait. It was like the, it was like the thickness of a Hiroshima. And uh oh. that's what I ended up trading for. I ended up trading that uh that shad bait for the Gantrell, but like off the top of my head, I really don't remember the first bait I like a garage bait I bought. Like I said, phony because that was the one that came to mind. Like I bought a, I bought a Hinkle before I bought the phony, like the Hinkle trout. Um, I don't even. I can't even remember off the top of my head, but like it's like like I said, it's it's something really like something clicks with you when you buy a handmade bait and you start to catch fish on. You're like, oh wow, like. I like I have no problem sending this guy $150 for a bait again because like it catches fish and like when you get a bait and you look at it in person you're like Holy shit like these guys handmade this thing it looks so realistic like wow this is something that that plastic Gantrell or 168 is not achieving not even close to the same standards as that Yeah and um that's kind of like what got me away from conventional um once you get more comfortable with actually getting the baits in the water and where they're supposed to be because god forbid you lose a 40 dollar bait um but i started getting away more from the cheaper stuff like i don't want to call it junk of course because there's a time place for everything you know i lit it up on icebergs for years i'm not going to say you call it junk even if i haven't used one in two years um so once i started getting a little bit more of the custom stuff I kind of stepped outside of my comfort zone, um, fishing around more big fish. I'm more inclined to throw a larger bait, like a six, seven, eight inch bait with confidence and not be afraid to lose it. Um, that's when I really, really got into it because I'm like, yeah, this is it's pretty cool. Um, <laughs> I like being a part of this. I want to catch fish on these baits. I'm starting to see results. I'm starting to draw up some bigger fish. I'm starting to see things. Um, that's when I really took that nosedive and I was like, I'm all in. And uh, I started going crazy and just focusing more on buying one nice bait rather than three cheap plastic ones. Yeah, yeah. Do you remember your first uh, garage-made glide bait? Like, you, you, I know you'd fish the, the 168 a lot. Did, <clears> you, <throat> did you think about buying a handmade glide bait for a while or that you kind of put off for a little while when you got into it? Yeah, it was that Doc Rat one-piece gill. So that's a glide. Um, oh, crazy yeah. glide, too, because it's a yeah. one-piece. Um, uh, I don't know. Because it was uh, S-Waver City for so long. And it's, then, it's hard um, to, like, in my opinion, it's hard to go, well, back then, like 2017, it was hard to go from a production glide bait to a handmade glide bait because there there's not, back like, then there was not very many small 
quote-unquote small glide baits that guys were making. And there also wasn't, like, the trace, like, the six cents trace or, like, there was either, like, smaller plastic baits or you were getting into bigger resin baits. Like, there wasn't really, like, a bridge in that gap, it didn't seem like. Yeah, and I remember, like, the negotiator was around and then it was Gangcraft 178s and 230s. Even then, I'm like, man, this is a you know $75, lure for plastic. And I'm like, I don't know about that. And then the negotiator, they were never in Stock and Tackle Warehouse, and they were also like $250. So I was like, I'm not buying that. Like, I'm not going to do that. That was, that was too much at the time. Now yeah, it's different. Yeah. But back then, you know, you see Roman made, you had the mother and the negotiator. Those were still a staple then, just like they are now. Um, so that was like cool to like, look at and like the, the Japanese aspect, like, wow, they're doing this in Japan. Like there's Japanese swim baits. Why the hell is it $470? Um, yeah. <laughs> but like, it was just like a negotiator because outside of, uh, you know, if you weren't in universe, you had, there was, there was only what was on tackle warehouse. Yeah, dude. And I mean, like, like tackle warehouse, then I'm trying to think like 2018, I mean, you had the HUDs. You had the Gantrells and stuff, Shine Glide, S Waivers. And then, like, there was just. I really. Like, the ABT. Is that what they are? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They just sat up there forever. Yeah, there was his stuff. And then, like, I want to say there was, like, the Roman made stuff. And off the top of my head, that was really all there. I I really cannot remember. Yeah, there being a big presence of, of, like, readily accessible glide baits on on like the production side of stuff even even back then now it's like a completely different story but like the yeah. gan, gan crafts and stuff but even then back then i felt like those were super expensive like a 178 was like 90 bucks wasn't it yeah oh my god yeah and i was like that's crazy because yeah, yeah. i just couldn't justify that for plastic i mean i still have a hard time justifying it for plastic <laughs> yeah. oh and, and the uh the the uh eye slides were out then if i remember correctly and yep, yeah yeah yeah. you're right Mega best, swim yeah. like shit and i'm like well i don't want to spend money on a bait that swims like shit but now i think i'd like one so <laughs> yep <laughs> but yeah dude it's it's crazy and then like i said i really don't remember the first glide bait that i had gotten it had to have been something that was fucking expensive because i I just i don't think there was many cheap glide baits out back then and like and then once you make that jump from from plastic to resin there's a good chance that you have to upgrade your rod and your reel because like you can get away fishing a lot of abs baits with with you know like your jig rods and stuff and then you have to start like you have to buy a nicer reel. You have to buy a, a rod that can actually handle a resin bait and stuff. Like it, you just like once you do that, whether you buy a rod, a reel, or like a bigger bait, like you are you're in it for the long. That's all there is to it. Not necessarily the wrong long run, but you're committing to it for sure. Yeah. Um, let me see, I'm looking at my photos right now. Uh, I got a screenshot April second, 2015. It's a like a two pounder choking that Savage Ear Paddle Tail. So that's 2015. That'll be eight years in two months so yeah i've been kicking it for a while and i was so i was uh i'll be 20 so see i was 13 14 there so on my first quote big swim bait you know five inches yeah, big at the yeah. Time. damn dude, um crazy yeah uh and like like we've been saying back then it was totally different and it, it sounds so weird to say back then because it was only like yeah I know right like Jesus six, Christ I know six years ago f- five years ago but like a lot like you had said it earlier there has been a lot that's changed from 
from even then to now, I mean, I can't imagine, like, looking at it from 2003 or something. Like, shit would be absolutely light years ahead of what it was back Oh, my then. God. Yeah, seriously. Oh, man. Like, where the industry standard was that was that salmon rod you were talking about that you had gotten for Christmas. Like, that yeah. was, like, the go-to mm-hmm. swim bait rod back then. Yeah, and uh, I you you had Jack on, Jack McLeod. He, he had a come down, and he was in my garage. And um, he picked it up. It was just sitting in the corner collecting dust. And he's like, he's like, he's like, what the hell is this? I was like, dude. <laughs> I was like, the amount of hours I spent fishing that rod, the amount of cast. I was like, I caught a ton of fish on that, but it was miserable most of the time. I had so many fish jump up, come up and shake the bait because it was it's literally a broomstick. Yeah, he's like, yeah. he's like, can I have this? I'm like, no. Like, what are you gonna do with that? It's like heavy. It's awkward. He's like, this is perfect for soft baits. I was like, yeah, put it back. <laughs> No, I just I just told you the sentimental value it has in Jack. Yeah, oh, like, I'm like, leave happen? it alone. <laughs> There's like a Cardiff on it that's like falling apart. Damn, dude. I I'm trying to think. Like I had gotten a browser for my 16th birthday, and I fished the Gantrail on that a oh, shit ton. And at that point in time, I had a I had a the Black Max was my swim bait reel. I ended up getting a, a Shimano Sitica, which is like a, a, the step up, I guess. And then I, I dropped some Buka bucks. That was when um, when Gander Mountain, I want to say, was going out of business or getting ready to go out of business. And I bought, uh, no, no, it wasn't quite then. But I, at Gander Mountain was up at a place I worked at. I had bought the, uh, I thought it was the hottest shit. I bought the Daiwa, the Win Lexus. So it had the big ass blue power knob and it had like the blue ass. Yeah, uh, I think it's so ugly. Dude, I had that, I had that reel. I don't know if it was a 300 or 400, but I had that with fishing, fishing a Gantrell. Like, I thought I was so fucking cool, dude, on, on a browser. <laughs> so this rod probably weighed uh, approximately 17 pounds. <laughs> and uh, I, I sold I sold the Lex. I don't even remember who bought it, but somebody bought it. And uh, I bought it. This was like when the Tranks 200s at first came out. I bought yeah. that thing, dude, and I beat the piss out of that thing. I fished my Hinkle Trout a couple times on the, oh, the tranks and uh and that reel is still going um brandon barnes actually has that reel i've asked i asked him how it's working he said oh dude it works fine i said cool because that day after <laughs> that reel had gotten the shit pissed <laughs> like the shit beat out of it when i had that thing he's like oh it works cool i'm like awesome it wasn't a ripoff i guess <laughs> yeah it's um, a solid reel yeah dude it was it was I, I liked it a lot i don't know remember why i sold it maybe i was Fuck, I don't. I really have no idea why I sold it. But anyway, you like you graduate high school and you're you're doing the fishing and st- like the swim bait fishing pretty hardcore. Did uh did that like did the swim bait thing get you to to travel around more? Or were you still sticking around like like your general area? So um, after I graduate, um, yeah, I'm, I'm still at this point. We uh we actually. Was that the year? So the year my brother graduated, we got a we split a jumbo three ways between another brother, and so three of us split this jumbo. It was like eleven hundred dollars, and we would take it out here and there, and I would throw it here and there because um, I just wanted to enjoy myself and catch fish in general. Because I, you know, I knew the trade off that in public swim baits, you know, you get less bites, but bites you do get are more likely to be quality. You know, the whole nine. Um, but it was still just trying to find local spots here and there. Um, I didn't really get onto lakes a ton until um, 
a couple years ago at least. I mean, I graduated 2019. So um, it was just at that point just trying to find the best local spot. But the furthest I was driving was like 45 minutes, an hour, um, just trying to find guys that wanted to fish because I, even then I still didn't have like anybody to go with. It was pretty much just me until um, uh, I met Tyler, uh, Tyler and Greeno. Uh, it'll be three years. It's about three years ago now. Um, I met him and he was like the first guy that I met um, that knew best mates that I like local on a local level that I had shown. Um, I had another friend who I worked with and he showed me a couple of his spots and there was a couple of big bass here and there, but there were small ponds, shallow, like blown out with weeds, not really ideal for swim baits. So um, I didn't like go full on swimming only until even after I met Tyler. And um, that's because we started fishing um, <clears throat> bigger bodies of water that were deeper Um not as not as grassy where it's like feasible uh to throw like a hard like a hard bait with like treble hooks on it of course yeah. like a big glide bait um so i didn't get like 100 percent swim baits until um after 2020 um late 2020 like fall 2020 um okay. not even yeah i think uh, it was right before gathering two was when i was like barely i would only bring like a jig out if i if 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 i even did it was just me. It was just uh, that Lexa and Dobbins Fury. I was pretty much just bringing that out with a box of hard baits. And um, from then until pretty much uh, this year, so like the last two years, I was, I've was i been pretty much only from baits. And I mean, I've completely blown it up. Like I've got probably 100 baits. I got you know five combos, the boat, the kayak all the spots, all the people I know, like I'm totally, totally invested in all this. Um, yeah, dude, that's so sick. Yeah, it's definitely, it definitely um, exponentially um, grew as a fisherman in regards to like where I fish, how I fish. Um, and I've always been super serious about it, but I've only been, lim- I've, I was limited to it for a very long time just to what I knew. Um, like I, I never did very much trespassing. When I met Tyler, I started doing a little more trespassing because if I, if I knew about a lake that was illegal or a pond that was illegal, and if I, if I didn't know how to get in there without getting caught, I wasn't going to bother. But if you meet a friend who says, oh, yeah, I know how to do, go there or I know how to get to this spot. I know when to go here. I'm like, okay, yeah, I'm going to do that because I want to catch a big bass. <laughs> and right, if, yeah. that's, if that's what it takes for what I know it to be at the time, that's what I'm going to do. Um, I don't do that now. But, you know, a few years ago, like, that was that was it. You know, the sun goes down, we're, we're going fishing. We're not going to get caught. We're going to go try to catch a five-pounder. Dude, there's, like, there <laughs> there was a point in time where I was like, okay, uh, I, I look I look fairly young for my age. I was like, okay, well, I'm 17. <laughs> like, I could, I could pass for 15 probably. Like, oh, I'm sorry, officer. Like, I didn't know. Like, pull that yeah. kid card. But there's a point in time, like, where it clicks in your brain. You're like, okay, like. I'm 17, 18. Like, I'm like, okay, well, I'm, I'm not really, I can't sweet talk my way out of something. And I never, I never got in trouble. There wasn't really any, anywhere to trespass, but that was always like my logical thing. I was like, okay, well, I can get away with it for now. But, you know, two years down the road, I, I'm probably just going to be SOL if, if something was to happen, <laughs> if I was to get caught or something. Yeah. And, and there was never spots to like, um, I would like get arrested or anything if I were to get caught or something. But right, yeah. 
you know, I don't want my mom to get pissed at me or if I had to pay a trespassing fine, it's just a headache. I'm like, I'm not, I don't, I don't feel like dealing with that. But, you know, once I discovered that, you know, this spot, like it's not as illegal as I thought, or it's easier to fish than I previously thought. And that somebody would show me that. And I'd be like, okay, I'll go there. I'll try that, you know, but do what I can catch what I see what I can catch. And then just go from there. Not like that was my number one choice or my preference, but um, I got real sick and tired of catching those little fish for all those years in those disgusting local ponds of mine. Yeah. So, right. like, you got to do what you got to do at some point. Yeah. And so kind of bringing it back to, like, the full full circle as far as, like, where you're at now, what's your, like, pref- if you could go out and catch any a fish on any, like, style, what, uh, what what's your go-to? Like, what's your favorite way to catch fish as far as swim baits go? Oh, dude, I, I still, like, um, when I went full swim bait late 2020, that's when I was like really big into wake baits. Of course you go fish at night time, throw a wake bait, you're going to catch bass. It's like going to happen. I know you struggle with wake baits, but for me at <laughs> least, and for many, many swimming anglers, cast and retrieve. It's, it's, that, it's as easy as that. And after, you know, struggling majorly, um, forever with catching decent sized fish, you know, four plus pounders. And all of a sudden, it's like automatic four plus pounders all the time. Um, of course, I want to stay up till three a.m. throwing wake baits at night. Um, but now um, I'm all about the glide again. Like just like when I got into swim baits, um, I love I love glide baits. Um, I, I have the most of them now. I got away from them for a while because I was so big into the wakes. Because like I said, it was just so easy. Um, but yeah, if I were to go out um, tomorrow, I'd be throwing a glide bait. Yeah, dude. I there's there's two types of guys. There's guys who get into it and they're like super about glide baits, and then there's guys who get into it and like they're super big into soft baits. And you know they don't they don't really mesh until like a couple years down the road. Like I know you you kind of like to fish soft baits now, right? Like you did it. Yeah. Now, yeah. This yeah this this actually this past fall. um, Oh, that's what it was. I caught I caught I caught a a low five. I think it was like a five four or five three. And then I caught a five nine, and uh, they're both on weedless soft baits, which is crazy, because for me that was like that's a foreign that's a foreign thing for me throughout my, throughout my entire uh, quote unquote career in swim baits because um, if it doesn't have treble hooks, I'm not going to catch a fish on it because I was used to catching small fish. Yeah, and yeah. and I'm like, well, I'm, why am I throwing this six inch bait that and in, that the fish has to engulf the entire thing to eat when I could throw a hard bait and all it has to do is slap at it and I'm going to hook it. So yeah. with soft baits, I always felt like as if I was wasting my time. And of course, um, I could have caught soft bait fish three or four years ago because I was still around, you know, the right size fish at that point. But I was so, um, I was just doing well with what I, what I was doing. So like I mentioned earlier, if it ain't, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. And um, when I was uh, in the last couple of years where I've been mostly swim baits, um, I would always bring a soft bait with me here and there, and just to have is like my Plan Z after my Plan Z. Like I've seriously tried every single thing imaginable. Then I would tie out a soft bait, but at that point, um, if I've exhausted all my other resources that I have with me, I'm not really trying at that point. I'm just goofing off. Like, oh look, this HUD swim straight. Anyway, <laughs> let, me, let me put this let me put this crank down back on. Yeah, dude. Ah, man. Um. 
So when you got into like recently, when you got into the glide baits and stuff, what's the one that you kind of usually go for among among others that you have? Um, in general, like right now or like last year. Oh man. Um, well, forever. Like the biggest one for me, like as a whole, was the S waiver. But I haven't used one of those in a while. Um, <clears throat> I really like like right now and last year. I threw the big chief a lot. Um, drift the shad little. Um, trying to think what else. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> when I was down at Johnny's, I threw the phony the entire time. I have a phony now that I barely even touched outside of when I was with him because yeah. once spring was gone, I didn't even fish more than once a week because, um, with the kayak, I I mean, I didn't get the boat till September. Right. And then before then it was the kayak and it was either um, go somewhere close and fish in 85 degree heat and humidity all day and catch absolutely nothing or drive an hour and a half and fish all night in the kayak. And that is exhausting, especially by yourself. Nobody wants to do that. And I tired myself out quickly. So I never even like fish like any of my big shag lies all throughout the summer because that's a bite that's pretty much here at least rye fish in the spring and in the fall summertime it's um you know wake baits at nighttime swim baits at least you know now with the boat i'm gonna mix conventional back into the back into um all my trips because um i'm gonna be out on lakes where i'm around more bigger fish because my closest lakes that are worth hitting are an hour and hour and ten hour and a half so that's why i, I threw swim baits so much but even all of last year i really uh when I fished them, when I had the most time to fish was when I was fishing the least, and that was in the summertime. Yeah. Damn, dude. Um, <clears throat> how, how big is the big chief? Um, I guess it's nine and a half inches. Okay. What's how yeah, big is the like, little one? Uh, little chief, I think, is seven, maybe six and a half, okay. seven. Damn, because but, that I want to fish <clears throat> the little one. I feel like that'd be pretty kick-ass bait. I like the shape of it. It's got like that pointy nose to it, and then it like contours up to the body, like. It's it's got a slick face. I feel like it'd be super good for uh, for like a herring profile. Yeah. Um, well, actually, I don't have little chief. I have the shad little. Um, and then another bait I forgot to mention, of course, was uh, because it's I don't have it anymore. Um, the Piz Crappy Glide. I oh my god, I caught the crap out of him on that thing. Um, uh, last year, early spring and late fall, I caught a couple big ones and a, and a bunch on it. I actually got that lure bit off in the summertime. That's why I'm like looking at because I'm looking at my rack of baits and I'm like, wait, I feel like I'm missing something. That's what it was. Crappy glide. I have a replacement for it now, but that particular know. one is totally gone. Yeah. Dude, I didn't even know there was such thing as a uh freaking piz crappy glide. Hold on, I, I got yeah, yeah, it's a beast crappy glide. Um it's just like a beast glide, but you know, it's uh the the fin on the top's different and the, the, oh, the okay, shape okay. of like the nose is a little a little different. Dude, I will say, like, uh, there's two, probably, like, two or three builders. That, like, I, I know the baits. Like, I know who makes them and stuff, but I could not tell you like, what the name. Like, like Paul's baits, I I don't know what, like, I know what the uh, Chiefs are and, like, the Carps, but, like, the Beast Wake, uh, the Shad Little. I know what, the, like, the Shad Little is and, like, the S2, but, like, some of the, like, and then the other one is like some of toxic stuff. Like I don't know which one. Like the big chungus is like the cannonball one, and then you got yeah, that thing's uh, huge. I want to see yeah, one of those yeah. in person. There's like there's just like 
those are the two that I can think off the top of my head. Like people will say the name and like I have no fucking idea what they mean. And then they just like <laughs> picture I'm like, oh okay, yeah, I know that baby. But like the names wise, I have no fucking idea off the top of my head. <laughs> um But yeah, so favorites for me to fish, of course. Yeah, glides. I love glides. Um I'm like I mean I'm a snob for all of it. I have a, a little bit of everything. Only a handful of rats. Um a lot of wake baits, a lot of glides though. No swimmers, really. I, I've never done well with swimmers. I've never really even used them. What about uh, crankdowns? Do you like crankdowns still? You would mentioned it earlier. Um, yeah, uh, Psychogill, big time. Oh, yeah, Psychogill. If I were to pick one favorite swim bait as a whole, probably Psychogill. I love that thing. Man, that thing just catches fish. I, I kind of honestly wish I would have saved that Psycho Trout I gave away at the gathering. I kind of hear everybody talk about <laughs> shit. Maybe... Maybe I should have just kept it and fished it. <laughs> and I had I gave away a Pats too, and I was like, "Fuck!" I kind of wish I would have kept that <laughs> too. Like son of a yeah, bitch. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I actually got a Pats in a Secret Santa, and um, I'm excited to fish it. I've never done too super hot on Pats. Um, I've had a handful. I use them. I put time in with them, and <clears throat> other baits have just done it better for me. I'm I maybe mean, I'm just, this will probably be the one that I do well on though because it was a gift. Of course, it was in Secret Santa. Yeah, hey, it's just a fast three piece in trout. So I'm really hoping it wakes too. Because if it wakes, I'll catch fish on it easily. Um, but um, you know, the soft tail, uh soft tail. Uh, I love that thing. I I have it tattooed on my arm. Um uh weight hogs, toxic weight hogs, love weight hogs. Um, you know, I have a runt, I love my runt. Um yeah, then I have I have a bunch of donks, uh, black talent donks, and I'm still waiting to, to have my moment with those. Um, I had a miserable fall, seriously. Um, um, yeah, it was just because I, I got the boat back in September, so as soon as the weather started to turn, I was on the boat, you know, two or three days a week, as much as I seriously could be out in the water, and most of the most of it was exploring just you know the joy of having your own bass boat with a with a gas motor on it that you can just yeah. run down the lake so a lot of it's just exploring and just looking for stuff and um still swim bait only so if the swim bait bite isn't there i'm not really getting a lot of feedback and that's why i'm really trying to get more into conventional coming into this um spring and mostly in the summer too when the swim bait bite is like pretty crap especially for the spots I fish um, with the boat. It's just a lot easier than a kayak. You know, you could stand on it and walk around. You don't have to paddle around. You don't have to throw it up on the roof of my car and throw it up there. You know, um, it's just a, a big, it's a workout. It's a hassle. So it's a lot easier um, with the boat. And I think for me, that'll just be better to consistently catch some fish, especially in the summertime um, where like last year, I totally burned myself out and, I didn't even care to go half the time because, um, you know, drive an hour and a half there, fish all night, drive an hour and a half home. Yeah. Maybe, maybe for a fish. You know what I mean? Yeah, dude. But I, I was doing that to myself, though, because that's that's the choice I make doing only swim baits. <clears throat> yeah, I think once you get something that gets you off the, the bank or gets you onto bigger lakes or something, I feel like that's... Like such a game changer. Like you're probably honestly gonna get your teeth kicked in like the first handful of times you go out. Like as far as fishing wise, because that's like you're doing something completely different, or you're trying to replicate what you're doing from shore or in shallow water, like in, onto a big body of water. But I feel like like that can be a huge pinnacle in somebody's fishing. Like just a better situation for them. Like 
oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm going to get a paddleboard. I'm going to float the river this year and just hit spots that probably don't get fished because you can't fish them from the bank or you have to wade like, <clears throat> a mile down the river or something. I don't know, dude. Like it's just when you get like a watercraft, it just opens up your possibilities so much. It's, re- it's ridiculous. Yeah, um, yeah, I'm so excited, especially spring. I love spring. I live for spring. I wish every month could be April. Um, like, oh my god, dude! And I'm just hoping that my momentum could just carry me into the summertime, and I don't hit a brick wall and and stall. And uh, that's where the boat comes into play, seriously, because um, my good buddy uh, Nate Gala, he's got a boat, and um, he's got like a real bass boat, you know, he's a Ranger 198 with a, um, I think it's a 150 on the back. Great boat, awesome boat. Yeah. And I, I fished with him a bunch of times now and um, he stays on him, you know, year round. And I'm like, man, that, that, like, I want to be like that. I want to, I want to catch, you know, 30 bass in a night. I want to catch multiple six pounders in one outing. I want to catch um, an eight pounder and a seven thirteen in Pennsylvania. Like that's, that happens. And I'm like, I could do this. Like, and that's because he has a boat and he gets to go do that. You know, kayak, of course it's possible, but makes it a lot harder. So, yeah, dude, oh, man, I'm just, just talking about spring gets me so excited. Yeah. Like, dude, I mean, it's, it's been warm for about a, uh, almost a week now. It's going to be warm for the rest of the week. Um, it's February 15th. I'll be, I'll, I'll be on my boat in three weeks. Um, it's been getting worked on since New Year's day, uh, getting the whole thing rewired, redecked. Um, and I'm getting a new trolling motor too. So it's going to be like, Pretty, pretty awesome. Um, oh, yeah, I'm dude. super excited. Yeah, I missed my we, boat. I'm ready. I'm so ready. We uh, we kind of grazed over. How do you how do you like to fish your your glide baits? Are you more of a slow like watch it go back and forth, or what's what's your usual go to retrieve? Um, I, I like to work the bait a lot. Um, because yeah, I mean, obviously, if of course you've ever fished a jerk bait, you kind of know what that's like. Um, you just try to get the fish to react. That's the way I look at it. Um, yeah, I like yeah. I like a reaction bite. Um, I like to pitch it up around cover and really get the reel working, the rod tip going, um, and just trying to get the fish to react and have them be aggressive towards it. Um, with the you can do that with a bait like the Big Chief, even if it's you know the size of a depth two fifty. Um, you can fish it fast, you can fish it slow. Um, same thing with the dunks. Um, that crappy glide, I would fish really slow. Actually, I would actually uh, let it. I would let it sink and glide at the same time and then give it twitches here and there. And that's when they would hit it. Um, but every, every bait's a little different. Yeah. Um, uh, I had a negotiator last year that I tragically lost and I, I was lining up on that thing. I, I, I caught a bunch on it and um, that bait, I mean, it just, it swims super, super, it's got a terrible swim. <laughs> I mean, if you've ever used a negotiator, you know, what that, they usually they don't swim too well. So half the time it would be gliding and it would look, awful in the water but it would catch fish regardless of how i would fish it whether it be slow i would get it to kick out really far to one side um yeah i I really like to change it up depending on the bait too so yeah dude i had a i had a negotiator and this thing was beat to piss like the belly weights are falling out of it and i don't know maybe i got blessed with a good one but i like there was one day um, I, i fish off this little l break on the pier like a little jetty and there's like a, a rock that comes up probably probably like nine feet and twelve feet of water. And like I'd cast over it and I'd work it over, dude. 
I literally caught and missed. I want to say it was like six or seven fish in a matter of like 10 casts. Like they were throttling this bait. That was where I caught my first 20 inch, like guaranteed. Like I put it on the board. Like that was where I caught my first 20 inch bass. And I was like, Oh my gosh, like this bait is crazy. And then that was the year of the first gathering come to find out it was Victor's first ever like swim bait. Like that was his, that was the first bait he had ever gotten that I got from another guy. And I'm like, Oh man, this thing's so beat to shit. I'm like, yeah, you can just have it. It means more than it does to me and i'm like fuck i wish i'd have given that thing away caught so many fucking fish on it for like the two months i had it <laughs> yeah <clears throat> yeah so i never even had like um like my my bait that's like thrash that's like i hold near and dear to me is probably like the soft tail um but i would whenever i would finally get like a bait broken in we would always be like nice flavor i would end up losing it um and then same thing with that negotiator i was i was tearing them up on it and now it's at the bottom of a quarry Oh um, but I, and I haven't even lost many baits. Uh, and same thing that that piss crappy glide, I got bit off by a freaking pickerel back in the summertime. Ah, yeah, that was that sucked. That yeah, one really dude. hurt. It. I I know what you're saying though. Like I caught, I had twenty thirty fish day on the fourth of July in twenty twenty or twenty nineteen on the taxi trout, and like three trips later, fucking lost that bait. And I'm like, oh my gosh, like. He only did like five baits in that color. I just saw yeah. one for sale for the first time in that color the other day, and I was like, I'm not paying that much for it. And then I can I continued to catch a lot of fish on more taxi trouts, and I would just continuously lose taxi. Like, <laughs> this is just terrible fucking luck. <laughs> yeah, I'd only ever lost uh, I lost a 250 conversion on a snag that I paid like 70 bucks for. That was like a literally a piece of junk. They didn't care if I that I lost that. Yeah, yeah. Um, a bunch of like, dude, I cast. I I've lost like at least a dozen death waivers. Like, oh my god, I don't yeah. even know how either. I would just miraculously only lose them. Uh, that negotiator, that crappy glide, and then I cast it off a brand new shabby two that I got this year at the gathering. Fuck. Oh, yeah, that was awful. Yeah, like my tenth cast too. Son of a bitch, dude. That's like. Uh... <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh yeah, that that was. <laughs> <laughs> that, it was just funny seriously i i think my uh my line nicked to the side of the boat on my back cast uh-huh. and um because it only went up like it went straight up and straight down like it only landed like maybe 10 yards in front of the boat and it sank like a rock i didn't even spend time looking for it i was like let's just go to a new spot i was like it's gone like was whatever that, was that during the tournament um no this was uh this was back at home oh, okay okay but yeah I, I i don't even think i had to bait for two weeks um yeah first time using it 10th cast probably gone damn dude that's that's fucking shitty i mean uh kyle sent me uh a flea shad when they first came out and uh yeah first day i had it i missed two fish on it and then the third fish was a very large fish and it fucking wraps me up on a boat piling with zebra mussels on it and it fucking snapped my line i'm like oh well that's fucking <laughs> shitty <laughs> that's yep. terrible <clears throat> yep um, we what what uh you had mentioned that you had five five swim bait like combos rods and reels what are what are those and what do you use them for so i have four f5s and i have one leviathan um i don't think there's any particular reason that's just how it ended up happening uh, f5s are a little cheaper uh they have the ghost code uh leviathan does not have a ghost code equivalent um of course their main production uh rod is the omega series um, what are they like 350 for the, the medium heavy? And then I think the dirty dragon, the big one's like 370 or something like that. 
Yeah. Um, so yeah. But it's like my two, first... 280 if you use scales 20 at checkout, something like that. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, that's better actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, but my first custom rod, uh, like by a custom builder was I got it. I bought a ghost code, um, right when they came out, it was the, uh, 800 heavy. So it's a two to six ounce. Um, great rod. I still have it. That's that's one of them. And then I have the 710 Ghost Code, which I bought after that one because I really loved it. And I was like, oh, yeah, I want to buy the, seven, the 710. It was the uh, second. There's four rods in that lineup. It's the second one off the bottom. Um, so it's the second smallest. Excuse me. And I actually got that from a, uh, his name is Jordan Hastings. He's out. He's probably about an hour from my house. Um, out in, you know, Amish country, you know, middle of nowhere. So I drove out there, picked it off of him, and that's probably my favorite rod. I've, I've, oh my, in the last couple of years, I, I love that rod. It's, it's awesome. Great rod. Um, I have a 710 Blacklist, which is, um, same, pretty much same thing as that Ghost Code, but it's, um, a little lighter, a little more sensitive, um, and way softer, though. That is a true moderate rod. That thing bends down to the reel. Like, um, uh, it, it, if you stick a fish on that rod, it's it's seriously impossible for them to jump off if, if it's a hard bait because it's just it loads so deep into the blank they get no leverage on you. Um, and then I have I got the Universe Collab F5 this year at the gathering. Um, I think that's an eight or seven, so that's kind of like a meat stick. And then the Leviathan I got the eight foot six extra heavy at the gathering uh, three. Yeah. It was like the ones that they just threw together for the show. So it's not an Omega. It was just the one they built for that particular gathering. And I think the one I have was, I think Eric built that one. And I don't know who built the rest, but when the dude who sold it to me, um, he had noted that on mine that the the like the the length and the rod rating was handwritten. So he's like, oh yeah, like Eric built this one. This is the first one of this lineup. I was like, sure. Fuck it, yeah, I'll take I'm it. Good, yeah, yeah. I was like, that's pretty cool. It's got a nice little personal touch to it. Yeah, that's that's what I'm running. Um, <clears throat> and until I got that uh, F5 this past gathering, um, these are all hard bait rods, pretty much, because I, I don't really, I wasn't messed with soft baits. Um, I mean, I could maybe get by on the Ghost Code 800, but even then, that's a moderate fast rod, and it's pretty limber in my opinion. Uh, I throw like my medium sized baits on it, like the weight hogs. Uh, I throw the big chief on it. That's a five ounce bait. Uh, like Psycho Gill, it's a three ounce bait. So just like middle of the road baits. Um, the seven tens, um, is like runt, drift, sad little, smaller glide, smaller weight, smaller cranks, uh, soft tail. Then the big Leviathan, I throw my beast modes on that. Uh, that's Def 250. Um, beast wake because it's a three it's three to eight ounces um so that's that's probably like my most versatile rod honestly because i i've thrown small ass beats on it all the way up to like eight ounce lures and then that f5 the universe collab that's still like an all-around workhorse and that's what i've been throwing soft baits on so yeah it's a really nice rod yeah hell yeah dude what about reels what are your go-to reels <laughs> uh i have i have a tranks uh, I have Corrado 300. Uh, I have that Lex 300 that I've had since I was like 15. Um, I have an, a Revo Toro Beast 61. So these are all left-hand retrieve. I fish left-hand. Um, that Beast 61, that thing is enormous. So it's basically a 400 size reel. That thing is a tank. And that's on my big Leviathan. So it's got 
it holds a million yards of line. I put 25 pound copie on that thing and you can cast as far as you can. And your, your, um, spot diameter doesn't really change that much because it's just yeah, such yeah. a tank of a reel. And then, um, what else? I think that's it. I think I named everything. Yeah. Tatula, Tranks, Corrado, Beast, and Lexa. Yeah. That's the five. Hell yeah, dude. Um, I noticed you didn't like mention any travel rides and you, you, uh, you said almost two years ago now you got down to go, is it Bacharach? Is that how you say it? Yes. Lake Bacharach. Yeah. So you went down there. What, what was that experience like for you? I mean, being a guy who grew up kind of on the Northern, Northern side of things, what was it like to, to go down there and have, have some fun in Mexico? What was that like? I mean, first and foremost, like if, if you love bass fishing, if you claim you love bass fishing, you got to do whatever it takes to get down there at least once in your lifetime. Um, I've never experienced anything like that. Um, even just like the fishing side of it is one thing, but as a whole, just the, the trip is just truly incredible um, from start to finish. Um, the travel day, you know, three plane, th three flights just to get to the city, um, just to get to the town that is has the closest airport to where the lodge is and then it's a two and a half hour van ride through what i would describe to be mars it's seriously it's if the definition of remote um you're really out there it's the desert like dirt roads no phone service Texas. it's tumbleweeds <laughs> like it is yeah. absolutely it is surreal like it is it's just hard to believe that that's just out there and like you're on that drive in and you see the mountains in the distance and like you're starting to, the elevation is getting a little higher and you're like, I can't believe that I'm heading towards the, the best bake, the, uh, the best lake in the world for bass fishing. It's, yeah. it's, it's insane. Like you're, the, the, the length you have to go to, to get to this place. Um, but you know, I stayed, um, I went through a Chad Mita's lodge, you know, uh, Lake Backrack Lodge. I think that's literally what it's called. Lake Backrack, Lake Backrack Lodge. Um, the same lodge that the universe trips go through every year. Um, I didn't go, yep on a universe trip but I, I think i don't know if it was a universe trip or not um but cj martin was there glenn rapa um yeah i think for universe guys that was pretty much it and then there of course there was like the rest of the group that was like there um whether there was for universe or not i'm not even sure um but it was it was a really awesome group of guys me and tyler went down and um, we fished for six days straight, 11 hours each day, um, 110 degree heat. Uh, the bugs were awful because um, when we went, the water was at record levels of it being low. It was dropping um, as fast as a foot and a half every single day. Um, and yeah, and the, the way so what happened with the bugs is the water dropping so fast, um, the banks would stay muddy. Because it was because every single day there was a new foot and a half of mud exposed, so it would be like damp mud, and there would be like puddles essentially, and the bugs, and that would be super easy for them to lay eggs because there was this super large area every single day of extra wet area for them to lay their eggs. And the bugs were just atrocious because the banks were constantly damp, whereas when the water level, to my understanding, is stable, the banks are dry, of course, because they bake in the sun all day. So when it's dropping that fast, the banks are constantly, you know, you have that soil that, that was under the lake constantly being exposed. So they were absolutely brutal, like vicious. I've never experienced anything like that. Um, but once you, 
put half a bottle of Bucksburg on you and you covered up. You know, it was bearable, especially if you got out in the wind. They didn't bother you that much. Um, but yeah, it was it was excellent. We we went on a on a uh, a rougher week uh, in terms of the quality of the fishing, but it's still the best fishing I've ever experienced by by far. Um, even if I mean I didn't I didn't catch a ten pounder. Uh, my biggest fish of the trip was eight twelve. Uh, Tyler caught a nine one and a, and a nine thirteen. That was awesome. Um, I had caught another eight pounder, bunch of seven pounders, bunch of six pounders, more five and four pounders than I can count. And the fish down there, they fight so hard. It's like, so like you hooked onto a truck. Seriously, yeah. Um, we were we were fishing seven of seven foot eleven, eight foot, a rig rods, deep cranking rods, swim bait rods, and these fish, they they were bending them down to the reel, like three pounders, and it was to the point where <laughs> they would pull so hard, you would you would feel your rod like cracking in your hand, like because of the amount of strain these fish would put yeah. on it. It was truly incredible. Wow, dude, that's fucking crazy! Did you guys rent your gear down there? Or did you guys fly in with rod tubes? Uh, we rented our gear. Um, and they, yeah, they have nice rods too. Uh, we brought our reels down, a uh, bunch of tackle. We we had compiled uh our tackle into one big like because I, I had like a big duffel bag style um tackle bag from yeah all the conventional stuff that I had compiled over the years. I had a really big duffel bag because um I was always in the bank, so I would just bring it with me every single time. Huge bag. So we stuffed that thing into the brim with swim baits, uh, paddle tails, liftlesses, deep diving cranks, spinner baits, underspins, everything that we were told to bring, that we recommended to bring, we had. Um, and then we were, we rented rods down there. They had the Fury lineup. Um, they had the Irod Genesis 2 lineup. And they had the Akuma... Guide uh, Select? Uh, not guides. Uh, they actually did have some down there. I didn't. I didn't throw the guide select. Uh, I forget the lineup, but it's a good line. It's like a hundred twenty dollar base lineup. It's it's it. They're all they were all good rods. Like you know. Yeah. 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 Like quality gear, good reliable gear. So I was running. I had an iRod and two of those Akumas, and um, yeah, it was it's it was you know good rods. Nothing to complain about. Was that like? When you guys were down there, was that when they were like fucking chewing jigs on those big ass bluff walls that you're like walking them up almost? Um, so when we were down there, the lake was so low. We were fishing treetops, and um, I think Buka went like a few weeks after we went down, and the fishing was still relatively slow. And he was saying, he was like, I've been here 10 times, and this is my first time uh, fishing these trees because the water's so yeah. low. Yeah. These trees are typically when he's there, um, a hundred feet underwater. Oh my! So these God. trees, yeah, like the water level was extremely low. Um, you would see like um, because the way it was, uh, the way it was, it's a flooded river valley. So oh, at some yeah. point, the lake's like four hundred feet deep or something like that. And um, so you're looking at these these like hillsides that are usually underwater, and there's these trees going up these hillsides, and you, you're kind of looking up up onto these cliffs. Um, like literally straight up, like these cliff bluff walls, and you're looking 80 feet up into the air, and there's trees up there that have tilapia netting stuck in them with dead tilapia. So you're looking straight up 100 feet up on this cliff, and there's dead fish swinging around, and, and there's nets hanging out of these trees because the water level is literally that low. Oh, We're fishing these treetops that haven't been fished maybe ever because the water's at, at that point, yeah. So it was all spinner baits. And crankbaits, really. That's what it was for us. Because, like, you had mentioned those uh, hmm, 
those bluff walls with the jigs, those bluff walls were 80 feet above water. <laughs> yeah. Fuck, dude. That shit's crazy. Yeah, so it was like a whole new lake compared to uh, what it usually was. So I think when we went there, the lake was at around 24, 25,000 acres at full pool. And what it typically is, it's like 33, 34,000 acres. So we were, uh, there's definitely a lot of exposed land and a lot of stuff that was, you know, people like six months later, they'll be dragging burritos on, even though when we were there, it's a hundred feet above the water. Yeah, dude. Damn. But yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty surreal. Um, there was a cemetery there that, uh, when we, um, on our first day of the trip, I think only like maybe one or two of the headstones were exposed. Yeah. Um, the end of the trip on the last day, the entire cemetery is above the water, bone dry. No shit, dude. That's, that's yeah, fucking creepy. <laughs> yeah. Like every day you, you can see a little more of these crosses just slowly creeping out of the water because the water's, uh, the levels, the lake's draining that fast because it was no, there's no rain. And um, they're using the lake for irrigation because it's all farmland nearby. So it's yeah. draining the water out of it. Um, and wow. paired with the heat, of course, because you know, it's 110 degrees out every single day. Yeah. God damn, dude. That's fucking crazy. That's like, that's like they built, <laughs> like you accidentally build an apartment complex or a house over like an Indian, Indian burial ground. Like that's the type of vibe I'm getting from that. That's wild. Yeah, dude. Like it was crazy. Like seriously. And, um, <clears throat> With where the cemetery was, like to my understanding, it was like um, like a hump pretty much. Uh -huh. So you'd be throwing deep cranks like twenty yards off of this cemetery, and it's like thirty five feet deep, and it's like right there. Yeah. Damn, dude. Yeah, it was it was it was so cool. Yeah. Yeah, I've heard that uh, that you you get tired of catching five pounders. Like, is that like fucking crazy down there? Yeah, we caught a bunch. Um, I mean, and it was it was still pretty slow, um, but uh, dude, throwing those spinner baits in those trees, it's any cast can be a giant. And I I lost uh, more than I would like, more than I would care to admit. Um, I lost quite a few big ones. Um, I caught the eight twelve my first day. Tyler caught the nine one the first morning. So we were like, after that, we were set. We were like, yeah. well, this is what we came here for. Like, of course, we want to catch you know the DD or you know the teen or if we're lucky enough. Um, but we we were fortunate enough to catch our big fish, um, because he he caught the nine thirteen on day three, um, and I caught my second eight pounder the second morning, um, so thankfully we were able to get our big ones out of the way relatively early on in the trip because by day five and six you're just like oh my god this is this is horrible <laughs> yeah right you're like, like oh, it doesn't fucking bite <laughs> yeah like dude because it, it's just. You're so tired from cranking. It's so hot out. You're sunburned. The bugs are biting you. You're just thinking about home at that point. Like Tyler, he uh, every minute we weren't fishing, he was sleeping. He would eat and then just sleep. Yeah, because it was truly exhausting. Like you really got to love it. It was a lot for me, and like I, I like live for this. So it, it yeah. was definitely a lot. Damn, dude. Um, and and that's like uh. When when you book your trip down there and everything, that's like food and your laundry and stuff. So everything everything's provided, right, for people who don't yeah. know. Yeah, like they they knock on your door in the morning with hot coffee, and it's it's and then you breakfast is made for you. Um, they wash your clothes every day if you want. Um, they make your bed. You come in after fishing, your bed's made. Um, rooms air conditioned, clean, good showers. Um, it's really top of the line. You as a whole, like the fishing is one thing, but. It, the food, oh my god, dude. 
the guacamole down there was probably one of the best things I've ever eaten in my life. Yeah, let alone I just <laughs> the other day in a comment. It's crazy. Yeah, absolutely insane. Oh my god, I can still taste it right now. Damn, dude, and that's like, uh, if you guys have ever seen like uh, Wayne comment like Monterey, and he's like talking to me about it. That's like that's that's an inside joke. We uh, it was the the Richmond show in like 2019, 2020. Uh, we all go out to this Mexican restaurant. I mean, it's like it's Vic, Buka, uh, Chad, me, Will, Phil. There's just there's just a big table of us, and we're at like this very authentic Mexican restaurant. And, and uh, yeah, <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm like pinned between like. Wayne was next to me, and I think Chad was like the head of the table or a couple tables down. And like, I asked for, I asked for like these these tacos, and Wayne fucking looks at me. He's like, "That's not how you say that." I'm like, "Oh, that's what it fucking looks like." It's like, <laughs> you know, that's like a town in Canada. I'm like, I fucking didn't know. And then they were just they were giving me a hard time. And Wayne was like, "Dude, if you ever go to Mexico, like just like make sure just Chad does all the talking." He's like, "Cause you have no fucking idea what you're saying." I'm like, "Yeah, no, you you are exactly right." Like. The most authentic Mexican we had back at home was like Qdoba. Like that was like the most the most Mexican food I'd ever had before was Qdoba. <laughs> yeah, I mean we got a couple of authentic spots around here. Fortunately, um, there's just one spot. It's like only like ten minutes away. Me and Tyler go there, and um, it takes us right back. It even smells like the lodge. It's oh, it's nice. It's pretty. It's like it's definitely a treat to go there. The food's incredible too. Apparently, they got like they got like an old lady in the kitchen whipping it up. I'm like, it kind of makes sense. That's that so all as bad as authentic as it can get. In, in terms of uh, northern Delaware. <laughs> right, yeah, exactly. Um, the region. <laughs> yeah, that's one thing with uh, Wayne and Chad and, and uh, Will. If you ever hang out around them, they'll freaking, they'll give you a hard time for anything. Jesus Christ, those guys, they'll roast you in a second. Oh my gosh. Dude. I think it was yeah. uh, it was at uh, Boxborough last year. Boxborough, uh, 2021. We were eating breakfast, and, I, dude, I sat there for 45 minutes, and all three of them just laid into me nonstop for 45 minutes straight. They are ripping me up, especially Chad. Oh my god, dude! Chad lives for that shit. We were sitting there, and like that's when I had my mullet stuff, and I don't even know what I was doing. And he just like he looks at me, he's like, <laughs> he looks at me, and he's like, "Have you ever seen uh, what's that hockey movie, Mighty Ducks or whatever it is?" I'm yeah, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I've seen it before. He's like, I don't know how, but he's like, "You are every single character from the Mighty Ducks rolled up into <laughs> one person." And I'm like. Okay, he's like, I don't know if it's a good thing or not. He's like, that's just that's just the vibe I'm getting from you right now. And then like, the 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 village thing I mentioned to you before, that's like all they would fucking say. Like Wayne brought it up this year. Like we're sitting there talking about something, and Wayne's like, oh, I'm surprised you can record the podcast with the village's Wi-Fi. I'm like, listen, asshole, like I don't live in the village anymore. And oh my gosh, they just they razz on you about anything. But it's such a fucking blast, dude. It's so oh yeah, dude, good time. Seriously, oh man. That's the thing too with uh, Mexico, uh, Glenn and CJ. Oh, what a riot! Uh, there's and, uh, so funny. Oh my <laughs> god, funny. That's that's my fucking. He's like family at this point. You get like Glenn and CJ. I love those guys seriously. Um, Glenn brought his cousin down. It's probably like funniest guy I've ever met in my entire life. Um, and then CJ's friend Keith Bronco. He he had come down too. So it was me and Tyler and two Pennsylvanians, and then these two other guys. Um, uh, they were they're part of it's called Get Bent TV. They they okay. they were they were coming down to film like a little uh, episode for the that trip. And then there was these two other guys. They were out of Colorado. And then there's one other guy, Doug. Oh my god, that guy was classic too. He's from uh, Minnesota. Um, super thick accent too. That guy's awesome. Everyone everyone was just a character. And um, 
whether it was uh, breakfast, lunch, or dinner, all of us were just hanging out, eating, chilling, telling stories, laughing, and just talking about fishing, talking about anything, and just telling stories, laughing. And all the whole time, Tyler's, of course, sleeping because he's just totally exhausted. Yeah. And I was exhausted too, but I, I said to myself, like, I mean, I can sleep when I go home. I, right. I, I can be, it's worth being dead tired here. I'm just going to try to enjoy every minute of this. Spent a lot of money to get down there. And um, I would much rather enjoy it than sleep through it. Right. Yeah, for <laughs> sure. Yeah, dude, for yeah. sure. Um, I was going to say something. Uh, crap. I was just thinking about Mexico. Uh, oh, yeah. I want to get down there and, like, do do like record a podcast while i'm down there like every day like have like just a 20 30 minute conversation with somebody in another boat and like talk about what they did the day before or even that day like what what the fish they caught were and stuff because i i think that'd be super fucking cool to document the whole thing whether i mean it's not video which is whatever but it would just be cool to kind of have like an audio library of of everybody's experiences i think that'd be super sick yeah and um it, it's really cool too because we all had different guides of course in our own boats yeah, and um, it's just being with the guides too. Um, our guide, we had, we had his name is Sixto, and he he's one of the um, better guides down there, from my understanding. And just hearing his stories um of the fish, like, oh my goodness, he's like, oh yeah, this one guy come down first cast, thirteen pounder. I'm like, what the hell? Are you serious? Yeah. Like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm like, what's the biggest fish that's been in this net? He's like, this net. He's like, seventeen pounds. I'm like, what the hell? Are you serious? Yeah. He's like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like it's normal when they, and to them it is like it's normal <laughs> yeah i remember uh cj talking to phil and i at the first gathering we were up at keith's cabin and he was talking to us and he was showing us these videos and uh he's like yeah he's like first time i went down there i called and i wanted a picture and the guy's like no 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 throw it back throw it back and yeah he's like, yeah, he's like, yeah, yeah literally right? like no small yeah, one yeah, yeah, yeah. he's pointing yeah. at the screen he's like grande grande down there drop it down yeah. <laughs> oh my yeah gosh. it was the it was the first morning and um we we were off to a slow start i think uh tyler caught a small one on a spinnerbait and i caught like a three pounder on the crankbait and it was like two and a half hours in that's all we had and i was just like uh-oh like this isn't good and it was starting to get hot out too and i was like oh shit and um it was the first morning too so we kind of like weren't as prepared as we should have been we didn't have like buffs on yet and not as much bug spray as we should have yeah. so we were starting to get a little burnt and the bugs were wrecking us and um, I'm throwing an 8XD, and I'm cranking this thing down, and I got totally smoked. We oh, have the whole thing on GoPro, too. And um, um, it came up, and it tail walked. And I'm like, oh, like, okay, this is a big one. This is a big one. Like, here we go. Like, finally, like, some life. Because at this point, like, it was, we were just kind of just, like, just waiting. Because the, the fishing yeah. was, like, totally turned off. And um, I get this fish in, and um, we actually, I didn't end up catching it, but we have it on GoPro. It jumps, and damn near bounces off the edge of the net like it just it just spit the bait at the very end and like that's at that point that's right there the biggest bass i've ever seen in my life like i've never seen a bass bigger than this and i'm like thinking in my head i'm like how big was that like i I have no idea and i'm like six though i'm like how big was that he's like seven eight i'm like that was only eight pounds i'm like the hell i'm like jesus christ the fish looked like it was as big as me and uh, i just couldn't believe it i'm like wow and, like, it sounds, like, crazy to say, like, I wasn't upset that I lost an 8-pounder at the net, and it's the biggest bass I'd ever seen at that point. And and on video, I just keep saying, like, it's okay, it's okay. I kept saying it over and over and over that it's okay. Because, like, seriously, like, that's what I was just trying to, like, rationalize myself. Like, it's fine, like, because I'm in Mexico. It <laughs> like, it's okay that I that I lost an 8-pounder. Yeah. yeah. Like, why that, like, only there you're okay with losing an 8-pounder at the net. 
And um, of course, you know, an hour and a half later, Tyler caught a nine one on a square bill. And I'm like, oh, oh gosh, that's so yeah. fucking sick, dude. Yeah, yeah, it was awesome. Hell yeah. I can't wait to go back. Yeah, I, I'd say I need to fucking I need to figure out a time and just save and go because, oh my gosh, it looks like such a fucking riot. Yeah, I mean, uh, like I say, I mean, I went when I was 19, uh, middle of COVID. I mean, of course, I I wasn't missing any school or work or anything like that. Um, yeah, but I, I just saved up over time, and um, it, it's really not as hard to uh, make it happen as anybody would think. Um, the the hardest thing is just the day of travel, and yeah. even having done it, getting there and getting back. Um, there's really nothing to it, seriously. And like, I, it sounds crazy to hear myself say that because it's it's scary, you know, flying down there. You're just with your friend, you know. I never flown anywhere by myself at all. Um, at that point, you know, flying out with a friend to so we flew into Detroit, then to Mexico City, and then to Los Mochis, and then of course Los Mochis. Uh, well, actually, no, Mexico City was where uh, we met up with all the guys, and then flown to Los Mochis together. But you know, you land in Mexico City with just your friend, and you're looking around, you're like, this is kind of insane because <laughs> I mean, Mexico City, that's like a I think 10 million people live there and you're landing, you're looking at this city in this area and you're just like, this is kind of crazy. What am I doing? <laughs> and you get into this airport and there's all these people, nobody speaks English. And I'm just like, uh, yeah. everything's in Spanish. I'm like, good Lord. Um, but thankfully we were walking and Tyler goes, yo, I just saw somebody with a summit universe hoodie on. I was like, where? I was like, I think that's, I think that's our, I think that's who we're looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it was CJ and Glenn. I'm like, thank God. Did you guys? Do you guys speak any Spanish at all? Uh, I mean, I can understand a little bit. Um, our our guide, he most he spoke, you know, pretty pretty good English. Um, but you know, CJ had been, you know, at that point probably four or five times, so he knew his way around the airport pretty well. Right. Yeah. Um, but you know, Chad's fully fluent. But once you're at the lodge, you don't really have to do any um spanish speaking and then in the airport it's kind of just follow the signs um, right you know uh, a lot of the workers there spoke enough english where they can help you out um so like once you do it and realize it's it's really just intimidating at first but it's you know it's very doable um you know if i can do it I, if i can do it anybody can do it seriously yeah man i i want to do the uh how the fuck the trip that Buka and them just went on, and CJ and them, that trip, the, that thing looked fucking off the chain. That yeah, the, the peacock sick. bass, that is pretty good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, oh, man. Yeah, that would be something else. I'd, I'd probably go to Backrack again before I did that. Just because uh, Mexico is just oh, man, it's awesome. Nothing against fishing in the jungle in uh, South America. But <laughs> it's, um, peacock bass are cool and all that, but I want to catch a 10-pound largemouth first. Right, yeah. Um. Right. Maybe it'll happen in Mexico, maybe not. So, yeah, fuck, who knows? Um, what closing it down? Anything, uh, anything that you want to touch on that we didn't really get to tonight? Yeah, let me look at the questions real quick. Is thing I freaking ramble on about a bunch of crap all the whole time. Oh, you're good. Uh, fishing. Um, I don't think so. I mean, just I mean, swimming universe as, as a whole. Um a great place for mates in general you know this podcast is a really cool thing i'm glad to be on here um to be in the same category because you've had on a lot of great people and i'm glad that uh i can get on here and have a voice and you know just talk for a little bit 
And um, I feel like I didn't even talk about anything, but I've been talking for two hours. Um, but yeah, Universe, it's a great place. I have so many friends um, due to this uh, little thing we got going on on Facebook. I mean, I went, I was so crazy. It's so wild. Yeah, like, yeah I, got, I got friends in every corner of the United States um, from Washington to, to the South, to, to Key West, seriously, um, California, Massachusetts, doesn't matter. Uh, really solid guys, too, that I can. You know, I could text and call and talk to any whenever I want. You know, I have really good buddies that I've met through this page. Uh, Tyler and Garino, that's that's my best friend. I met him through Universe. And coincidentally, he lives two minutes from my house. And he's lived here his entire life. And he went to the school district next to mine. And I found him through Sunbates. Um, so and I've it's put me on a lot of guys' boats. It got me down to North Carolina. I went to fish with Johnny for... Uh, four days last year um i you know got into contact with chad at gathering two on that deck in the campground of wayne's cabin and so that was that was really what kicked it off um gathering two meeting all those guys and really getting involved that kind of uh really changed it all for me you know i, I have the kayak in the garage that ross was able to get for me uh two years ago um, and then all these swim baits I have, whether they were a gift or they were um, gotten to me through um, by means of getting hooked up, so to say. But, you know, I'm super grateful for it. You know, I love I love all the connections that I've made, all the friends that I've made, all the fish I've caught. And I'm, I'm excited for this year, dude, um, especially with the boat. And this is an invitation. If you know me and you want to go fishing, hit me up. Um, I work a lot. I'm in school, but I've always got time to fish. Um, I want to fish as much as possible. It's going to be a really great year. Um, hoping to probably break six eleven to my large mouth. Um, you know, my buddy Nate told me there's no reason why I shouldn't catch a seven or an eight pounder. So we'll see what happens. <laughs> Last year I had a handful like that bite, but um, it didn't work out. So it's going to be a good year. I'm really excited. Right? Yeah, dude. I'm. Uh, I. I'm excited for spring and um, you'll get off the show and you'll be like, shit, I cannot believe we didn't talk about this. So we'll definitely get you back on maybe in the fall or if you break your PB or something before then we'll get you on kind of, I don't know. We talked a lot. I'm sure we definitely missed some shit, but we'll, we'll get on again and we'll, we'll break some stuff down. We'll, we'll take some, we'll listen to the episode and take some notes. We didn't talk about for next. Time. Yeah, I know. I get carried away. But... <laughs> no, you're good, dude. I'm, I'm the same exactly. I want to say this is like the first time like in a while that, we haven't fallen down a random ass rabbit hole about maybe, maybe we did. Fuck. I don't know. Usually I have to bring it around town, but I feel like this time, this time we kind of naturally flowed to where we had to end up at. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's good. But, uh, what, what are your socials and any companies? Or shout out. Um, uh, Aston anglers, Instagram, that's Tyler's page. Uh, it's not just bass fishing. It's him and a bunch of dudes that are that are uh, his close friends. Some of my friends too. Um, he's big into shark fishing, uh, and then his friends they got trout on their striper. Of course, tons of bass fishing because Tyler's he's a uh, he's in charge of that page. And then my own, I have my own page, just Noah R Fishing on Instagram. Uh, nothing crazy, just a couple hundred followers. It's just where I, I throw up, you know, some of my catches here and there if I catch a good fish. Um, but other than that. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, for sure. Um, like, but no, like going back to like what you said about Facebook and stuff. Like, it's it uh, it's crazy what what 
social media can do for for a group of guys. I mean, I remember first gathering, like going and seeing all these people, and I'm like, oh my gosh, like I've talked to that guy like three times, and I can't believe I'm fucking like standing right in front of him, like about to talk to him. Like that's so fucking crazy to think about. It's it's uh it's very surreal. I guess I'll just say that it's weird to have a group of guys like this close knit in like a super niche thing and like be able to see them once a year at least. and that's like if you don't go out of your way to go hang out like it's uh yeah it's, it's a weird it's, thing it's, yeah no it, it is but it, it's special um in my opinion um it, it's it's my favorite though like at the shows when you see a guy and he's like hey noah and i'm like i don't know who that is i'm <laughs> like who are you <laughs> that's like it's a it's i was a, like oh gosh that's a super weird feeling <laughs> like when somebody walks up to you and they're like oh hey man like i love the show and it's like well you know who i am but there is no way in sam's hell that i know who you are they go like, oh, what i didn't, didn't catch your name what's your name and you're like oh okay like i i know i know your profile picture like i know who you are but i had no idea that this is who you were <laughs> yeah or yeah or when uh you know them but you don't know what they look like because they're they never post anything and their profile picture is in their face yeah. I'm like okay, well, that's cool. Like I know who you are, but I didn't know that's what you looked like. Cool. Right, yeah. Oh my gosh, dude. funny world, man. Yeah. Funny world. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. But uh, I will. I'll put your Instagram in the description, so anybody who doesn't follow you can go follow you on there. Like I said, we'll come back on probably in like the fall time or something, and we'll we'll do a year recap for you on what what it was, and maybe if you got into soft bait fishing pretty pretty heavily, we'll talk about. Yeah, that dude. Stuff. I should definitely have a lot to talk about. Um, um I'm going to be doing some tournaments. Uh, and just. Getting getting out in front of a lot more big fish, hopefully. So, oh yeah, man. Are you gonna Are you gonna be at the Texas show? Unfortunately, I'm not. Uh, financially and between school and work yeah. and just um, because like, like this this boat rebuild is like almost four thousand dollars, including the troll motor. So um, that's not like <laughs> right. Yeah. Unless I unless I sell a few baits, but um, Jack's going down to Texas, but he's driving, and um, that's you know a two day trip, and I, like I said, I have class, and um. I'm finally taking school serious, which is a good thing. So it's a blessing and a curse that I can't make it to the Texas gathering. But, um, you know, it is what it is. Oh, yeah, man. Which it's it's whatever. It's going to be super cool. But I'm like, I'm probably going to end up going. But I'm like, I don't have to go. Like, I'm going to go to Virginia no matter what. But I'm like, ah, if I can, yeah, I might of well. Why not, I guess. I've never Yeah, go for it. I have. Yeah, I think, I, think well. I always say, if anybody, if you can make it, um, if you can make it, especially to the um, – the Virginia show. I mean, the gathering is like the best weekend of the whole year. Uh, I, there's nothing like it. Um, I was anybody listening, if you're ever on the fence to go into one of those, go like you won't regret it. Seriously. It's uh such a good time. Yeah, man, it's such a good time. But like I said, uh, Noah's stuff will be in the description. You don't have a YouTube or anything. No, no YouTube. Um, yeah, nothing like that. Okay. Yeah. Some guys do, some guys don't, some guys keep it low key. Like I know, I know one guy who just posts his cast sketches for him and like, they're all private, <laughs> but yeah, <laughs> yeah, maybe I'll do that one day. Yeah. I need to get a good post, library for yourself. Yeah. As long as you don't get locked yeah. out of the account. <laughs> yeah. Right. Then it's gone forever. Yeah. But, uh, I want to thank Noah for coming on. Like I said, his, his Instagram will be in the description. If you guys don't already make sure you follow the podcast on Instagram scales and tails underscore podcast. Uh, make sure you guys give the show a rating on your listening platform. That would be greatly appreciated. It helps uh, push the show out there for people who, who are just kind of browsing and get stuff recommended. And then as well as you guys will be listening to this like the week before the magazine drops. So January, March 2nd will be the uh, the drop of the magazine. And then guys on will get uh, will get the chance at getting the magazine the first. And then 
it will go out that uh, Saturday, I think, is, is when they'll go out. Fourth or fifth, whatever. But magazines will be up. They'll be $30 shipped um, right now. Well, it's going to the printing office tonight as this recording is going. But it'll be 56 pages, uh, a lot of cool articles in there, a lot of cool Q&As, a lot of cool pictures. There's a couple uh, little, not necessarily centerfolds, but some uh, some split pages, some guys holding some pretty big fish that are pretty cool. And uh, a lot of cool stuff in there. So. If those are, or if you guys have an, if you get around to getting one of those, and uh, yeah, I want to, I want to think, I think that's everything. Who knows? I'm probably missing some shit. But uh, like I said, I want to thank No for coming on. I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. Now I talk to you guys next. See you guys.